No, 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 no! Coco Talk would like to thank our patrons who sponsor our show each week. So warm gratitude goes to Al Hartman, Alan Huffman, Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Joyce, Brian Weasler, Christina Armstrong, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Disney Saints fan, Eric Canales, Fedor Stamen, Glenn Hewlett, Grant Leedy, Jason Bucata, Jason Downs, Jenna Farron, Ken Reichert, Kyle Etter, Malfunct, Michael Pitsley, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Richard Lorbieski and Boisson Technologies, Rob Inman, Stephen Wagner, Steve Bjork, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., Tom S., and Tim Lindner. Thank you so much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encouraged, sense of humor recommended. If any off color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Leader, designer of TRS 80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. This is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calor computer. It's time to drop your socks. Grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Good afternoon, everybody! I am so excited today because we have the return of Floppy Talk, so grease your weasels and whip out your five and a quarters because it's on! Hi everybody and welcome to Coco Closet. Yay! Wait, what's going on up here? What's this? It's empty shelf. Imposter! It's an imposter! Yeah, yeah, Coco, yeah, yeah, yeah. How about this one? Uh-oh. Empty box. <laughs> One of these oh, things just is started... not like the others. Stevie, uh, someone broke in your house. You know, showing off shaky cam here, but uh, I'm moving. Uh, this is Mikey, and I'm moving my office from uh, upstairs where I was before to downstairs. And uh, in this room, I had set up uh, a bunch of uh, shelves in the closet for storage of all my retro equipment. So, are you are you in the living room? What do you guys think? So, how long have you had a hoarding issue? 
Except for this one. <laughs> the first step is admitting that you have a problem. It's a very and, well and organized. Right, and it's, there's there's though. the problem right there. What what is that? At least he's balanced. He has he multiple opened, problems. He just opened a wormhole. The shelves are very nice. He wanted to put an F zero key in there. That's oh. <laughs> <laughs> what I do most of my work, and then I'm going to get another desk back here, and uh, um, like a corner desk. I think that might be the retro desk. I don't know. I haven't made up my mind yet. Mikey, and are you still married? Yesterday, and still getting it all organized. But I've he didn't watched. say this is a new apartment, did he? No. no. <laughs> new bachelor pad? No. His library. Nice. Two of everything. Two oh, copies wow. of the complete guide to OS. Oh, one says Radio Shack on it, though. I saw that. Ooh, ver label variation. Very, very organized. Way more very organized nice than any of, any of the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> Witness to shame, Ooh, Mikey. I'm a fan. So this is I'm why Stevie went to Home Depot. <laughs> is it getting hot in there? You turn the fan off. I turned it off so that it's not making noise. Oh. Uh, anyway. It's very nice. Approves. Good job, Mikey. All right. That's cool. You get a five. Awesome. Five out of five? Okay, awesome. Welcome to Cocoa Top, episode 169, The Return of <laughs> Floppy Talk. It's been a long time since we've talked floppy, so hopefully your weasels are greased. For those of you who are packing oh, yeah. to three and a half inches, that's fine. For those who got the five and a quarter, even better. I know a couple of us got some eight inches too. And listen, it's not the size of the floppy, but it's the amount of data that you put on it that counts. So it's all good in the neighborhood. Let's go around the room real quick and introduce the middle-aged panel that we have here today. In the bottom right-hand corner, uh, from the bottom of the planet, the guy who likes to say, Oh, Rocky! It's oh, Nick Morentes. G'day, Nick. Hey, I'm first today. That's amazing. That's <laughs> See, right. I'm <laughs> bottom part of the first? world is the best. Not even yeah. up yet. <laughs> that is it. That is up. it. <laughs> we have a guy who has a closet who's organized. Michael Furman is here. Hey, Mikey. Hey, guys. How's it going? Fantabulous. Fantabulous. <laughs> By the way, oh, I haven't heard that name in ages. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the man whose name is so nice, we must say it thrice. It is none other than. How you doing, Nicky Nick? Well, in the world of five and a quarters and three and a halfs, I'm a micro SD. I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, uh, thousands of uh, floppies. Micro SD Actually, holds much more. So, mm, <laughs> so yeah, it's not the size of the storage container, but it's the capacity that counts. Oh, okay. Okay, good, so good. there we go. Uh, where it's always sunny in Arizona, Ron Delvo. Hello. Uh -huh. How you doing? Uh, we're doing good. We're doing good. Our backup streamer, our fashion expert, Mark Bosley's with us. Hello, Mark. Hello. He's petting his floppy drive. He's petting his floppy drive. Oh, who's a good floppy? Who's Hello, a good precious. floppy? It's a good floppy. No iOS today. Oh, my One goodness. billion dollars. Uh, <laughs> Dyson. Dyson. Oh, Rick Euland is here with a beard to make us all jealous. How are you doing, Rick? 
Oh, pretty good waiting on my floppy to cough up a label ball. So uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Another really guy good. who likes to say, Oh, Rocky. David O'Connor, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, except look, somebody stole my five and a quarters. Oh, oh no. Put my hand in there. Oh, wow. Oh. That is a crime. That's a crime. <laughs> Yeah, Air cooling. Neo's here. Neo's well, here. Neo says hello too. He's uh... We got a guy who's sometimes vocally challenged. I'm not sure how well his voice is doing today. Brian Schubring, how are you feeling today? And how's your voice? My voice is doing just ducky. All right. Quack, quack. quack. <laughs> Glad to see you got those sucrets we sent you. That's it. That's it. That's it. And we've got a case. guy with a couple of cocos in the background, too. Alan Murphy's in the program. How are you, Alan? Doing all right. So, Stevie, it's floppy talk? Floppy uh, talk. Hey, I've got something for you. There you go. What, nice is that? what is that? Is that an Amiga floppy? No. 1571. What is that? Commodore 128. Oh, okay. Commodore 128 floppy. Excellent. Yeah, it can load in less than a day. Hmm. <laughs> you should have sometimes uh, less law. than an hour. We got a guy who's best known for saying, "Stop right there." And toggle switches. Jason, the Coco Man's Rikert is here. How you doing, Jason? Oh, I'm doing great. I I am ready to go for floppy top. I've got my diet Dr Pepper. Here's your I've floppy. got my water. Ah, and container. And excuse me while I whip this out. He's, oh, got an eight. he's got an eight-inch floppy. Oh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're demonetized for sure. What's black and eight inches and gets whipped out of a sleeve? Jason's <laughs> floppy. Oh, my. All right. Jason's floppy has been whipped out. All right. Also the model two. Yes. And we got another guy who is known for saying things. The last time I spoke to him, he said this to me. You want to grab some food before we head back and look at that alt-reality OS9 module? It's L. Curtis Boyle. Welcome to the program, Curtis. I'll be doing the alt-floppy drive module today. <laughs> we have a very special guest with us today, a guy who makes mad demos, who will be our guest speaker today, the madman himself, Simon Jonason. Welcome to the program, sir. Yay. Thank you, Stephen. And last, but certainly not least, it's in his contract. We can't talk about floppy drives if he's not here. So I have two questions for you. Number one, David Ladd, are you excited to be here today? Oh, why? yes, I am, Stevie. And I can't wait to see how many RPMs we can get these floppy drives going today. Um... We are all ready for that turntable experience. And I'm all pumped up with caffeine because I was out <laughs> late last night partying on the land. Party. And now today, I'm ready for the hardware experiences. Let's rock and roll! Yay! Oh, wow. Well, once more with enthusiasm. Are you you out, David? Is that uh, safe? Wow. That awesome. Wow. <laughs> and I am, wow. The, I am the conductor of the train wreck today, Stevie Stroh. Welcome to the program, boys and girls. In the live chat, we've got Rob Eanman, Al Hartman, Ken Reichard, Nimble is out there, Mark Overholzer is out there, David Ladd, Salvador Garcia, Al Hartman from Jersey is out there, Retro Innovations out there being snarky, what a surprise, Kevin Holloway is here, and Erico is here, Frodo is here, 
Uh, who else is here? We got all kinds of people. Evan Wright just popped in. Evan Wright, how you doing? And uh, yeah, a lot of people in the live chat already. Canadian Retro Things is here. Nimble David Lord, James Jones, and um, Ken Reichard and Craig J. Penn is here. Is that did I did I see his name right? Okay, Craig J. Craig J. Penn. Okay, sorry, I'm just learning to read. Is that like Jim J. Bullock? Jim J. Bullock is here. Jim R. is here. Monroe. Monroe is here. Monroe Ficus. All right. So, anyways, there's a lot of people in the live chat, but we are now just going to get right into the show. And Retro Innovations, Jim Brain and Retro Innovations is here. And so, Simon Jonason has been showing us many things and uh, he's been doing samples he's been doing demos he's been doing stuff and at this point now i'm just going to basically um spotlight you simon today is all about you and whatever you're going to talk about so welcome simon jonason how the hell are you <laughs> oh i love the hair there it's awesome that's like you got the pebbles do <laughs> Almost in a gremlin. It's like, it's like when Nick Marotta leaves 10? the rubber band in his hair. Can you get channel 10? <laughs> Can you get channel 10? <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 can, we can do this. I must say. No. Oh, now you got CNN. There you go. There you go. The <laughs> Mohawk. Decent the, guy, I must say. the Mohawk, the Fauxhawk, the real hawk. <laughs> Whatever. At the end of the day, let me just put this rubber band back in here. And I can hear a cat going, Jay, your cat? You're scaring the cat. <laughs> scaring the cat, yeah. Oh, you can tell, can't you tell the cat has an Australian accent? <laughs> Something like that. Crikey, <laughs> right. milky. So, look, what I wanted to show you was actually, um, Stevie, I don't know if you could show, um, I sent you a uh, DMK file earlier, and I asked you to, asked you to, um, shot on MAME or something, you could actually hear the disc head going doop, 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 doop. okay. Well, I didn't see that you sent me that, and I'm not exactly I can't just jump right into that. I need a minute or two to do that because I missed that message because I had so many other things getting ready for the show. Uh, what okay. is what is DMK? What does that work in? DMK, DMK is actually basically a disc image, uh, because. Right now, oh, no. right now we've got like DSK, which is a disc image, but DSK is not a real disc image. It's not a real picture of a floppy. Gotcha. Yeah, it's just the data on the sectors. The DMK is like the full thing with track headers and sector headers and CRCs and everything else. It's got everything on it, yeah? Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing with if you've got on the SDC, you've got an SDF, SDF file. You've got DMK to SDF. Because sometimes you've got copy protected software, sometimes you've got special loaders, all this kind of right, 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 right. Whatever, yeah. Okay. This is almost floppy this talk. Is, this is floppy. It talk. is floppy talk. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so let me ask you this: What cocoa? I'll pull it up in Mame. What cocoa should I be saving it on? Uh, DMK. Uh, just should a cocoa three or cocoa two? I guess is my question. Okay, three. Okay. I am having an issue finding my things right now. Oh, see, I, I swear to God, I wish I had known I needed to have this ready ahead of time. I would have had it ready ahead of time. So I no need problem. a minute. That's okay. Right now. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys keep talking. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> well, I figure this crap out here right now. Here we go. Sweet. 
blank that DMK. All right. But it's not blank. Why not? So, Simon, is this based on the same engine you did on your original demo for the Fest, or is this a further take on it, or...? No, it's the same thing because if you saw if you saw uh, the Gimme Gimes demo at the first, you'd see the initial load was about 128k, all crunched down to nothing. It just went. Um, so what I'm actually doing is a software interleave because the disc is formatted normally. Okay, so you're kind of bypassing the the normal sector headers and stuff, and just kind of doing your own direct read. I will show you exactly what I mean in a minute when Stevie just does that. What I need you to hear. Right I'm now holding is... up blank that DMK right now. Let's do a DIR. Yeah, and it's make sure I can read it. Now I need to share audio again. Okay, there's your disc. Let me share the audio so you guys can hear it again. I stopped sharing sound because I wasn't sure if Simon was going to be sharing sound. All right. So can you guys see Mame right now? Certainly can. Yep. Okay. So let me type in Dur again so you can hear the floppy. Dur. Okay, now it mm -hmm. says here in the look at that cool custom directory with the bomb, huh? Nice. Cool. Now it says type DOS. So should I be typing DOS, Simon? <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, here we go. Did he tap into the 256 color mode? No. Maybe <laughs> cut it off. Uh, that is cool. That is it. An electronic pickup. Don't be scared. <laughs> Very cool. And that loaded fast. It was like tuck, 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 and it was loaded. How much yes. how much data just got loaded in that real quick tuck, 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 tuck thing? Uh, probably about 58k. Wow. That was pretty quick. That was That's quick. Really yeah, we could hear the sounds. And so, and 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 let me ask you the question again, because I was overwhelmed trying to download and pull up an emulator and everything else. So explain to me again, DMK. It is not, okay. a, it's not like a normal disk image. It's, okay, let me rephrase this. What we call a DSK yeah. is not forensically accurate to what a physical floppy is. Is that... Fair enough no statement. Way no way near. Okay, so it's just the data. It's just okay. the data you'd read for the disk. So this yeah. this um, DMK thing you sent me that is more floppy, forensically, accurately correct. That is an accurate floppy. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. That was created by David. I can't remember how to pronounce his last name. Kyle or Keel back when he did his uh, Coco Three emulator. Okay. And it's a raw format. You can do copy protected disks. You can do special formats. All kinds of things. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, but what I wanted to demonstrate here was I actually didn't do a special format. Yeah. It's a standard, it's a standard formatted disk. But what I did was a software interleave with a special loader. So, um, let me share my screen for a moment. Okay, I'm going to stop sharing. And you go ahead and share. So my screen probably looks like I don't know okay. what. Okay, there we go. I see <laughs> Windows 7. Yeah, Windows 7. And I, I need to find something out. So, okay, DMK edit. And DMK edit was actually made by Paul Fiscarelli for me when I did, um, I 
I reached out to Paul Fiscarelli when I was doing the Gimme Gimes demo. And I said, well, do you know stuff about floppies? Because I need to put some stuff on some sectors and get a really fast load. Um, and he said, well, yeah. And we talked backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. And he came up with DMK edit. So I'm going to fire that up. So here you can see DMK edit. And I'll just grab a... Just grab a disk and I will just put that on there. So the disk, as you can do track view, and I'm going to do uh, time mode. Can you see this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on, on the left hand side of the right hand pane, you've got like track zero, one, two, three, four, five, six. Blah. Yeah. Yeah. On the right hand side, you've got the sectors. And um, let's just say, okay, uh, check out the interleave of a normal disk. If you think a normal disk, right, and this is the way that FDC normally works, is like, okay, sector one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, all the way around, yeah? So your head on your floppy is actually going, Sector one, and you can see it's skipping, it's skipping one, two, three, four. And you can see if on the right hand side it says one to five, skip four. That's your normal interleave, yeah? Okay. It gives so time for the computer to process the data while the head's still moving or the track uh, disk's still moving before it has to read it, the next track. It, it does, it does. But dig B is slower than swimming through molasses. <laughs> That's a technical term. <laughs> Seriously, I okay. Tried that. <laughs> I'm so, sure they were conservative. They wanted to make sure that they would, you know, not miss the next uh, sector. So they gave lots of time. For yeah, the, I know. Like you know, OS nine and Nitrous nine default to I think three, if I remember correctly, because we discovered pretty early on that yeah, you can definitely run faster than that. Okay, so let's take a normally formatted floppy, which is like that as a one to five interleave. Yep. And let's just do something else. Let's just say I want one to one. That's crazy talk now. No, I want one <laughs> to one. So, okay, I hit sector one. What's the next sector I'm going to hit? 12, five, 16, nine, two. One to one, nine, you hit two. One to one. one to one, you hit two. You hit 12. If you're at one no. to five and you're on one, your next one's going to be 12. One to one, you hit yourself again, don't you? No, one to one, you hit two. No skip. Okay, fine. Okay, so what if I said to you I wanted to hit 12 instead? Look at the picture. 1, 12, 5, 16, 9, 2, 13. Yep, yep. 12. 12. 12, yeah. What if That's I wanted right. to do that? What if I wanted to do that? I win. Yeah, you want to read them out of order so you can just catch them as the as the floppy spins. Yes, exactly. So, okay, here we go. Sector map. Map one. You guys didn't know there was going to be a quiz later too, right? So <laughs> get out your number two pencils and your bubble sheets. You see? One to one. five interleave? That's easy to remember. Okay, zero, twelve, five, sixteen, nine, floppies. two. Right, there's your sector map, which is interleaved. 
Is, is, is the past tense of interleave interleved? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> is blob a new word? Interleft and I inter interleft interrate. <laughs> nice. So, anyway, so sorry, we're derailing you, Simon. Yeah, we're Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. So you think, so think, of it, think of it as a levitation. Think of it as a levitation. <laughs> we're interleaved. <laughs> so where it says 256 byte blobs is blobs a new word uh well no. a sector a sector on the disk is 256 bytes it's got some surrounding crud around it like headers and all kind of blob is a highly technical term binary large objects didn't oh, everybody yeah. know that no. a database term. <laughs> actually he... blob stands for and uh, everyone actually, know he... that he just nope. didn't have room to put the word sectors in the space available. <laughs> so, but you blob can... is, yeah, blob is just a block of data. You can see basically I'm going 1, 12, 5, 16, 9. So basically I'm just going. Stock. Basically I'm going round the disk like that without it. Right, yes. So you're doing it, you're reading the disk sequentially even though the sectors are out of sequence. Yeah, I'm doing it as fast as possible. Okay, so you had to you had to format your data to be on the tracks in that order, right? I had to format my data in that manner. Yes. So and it always it, goes it, clockwise. This so, always runs clockwise. Yes. So if you if you write it with the stock interleave, but you read it with this interleave, you've sequence the non-sequential right yes that... exactly so basically you're telling the controller i want sector one then i want sector 12 which is immediately under the head so it immediately reads it exactly yes but so but when you write it you don't have to do anything special it's going to do so it's a it's a it's a stock two. write and a custom read and no it's a it's not a stock write. it's not a stock write. i mean the, the disc the disc itself is stock it's a stock format, but it's the sectors are then written kind of out of order to match that order that you're reading them in one, twelve, five. Gotcha. Exactly. So what you got? So, and, so what you got here is basically like a, 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 the equivalent of a, a defragged disk, where you're reading everything sequentially without any jumps with the head. So your yes. seek time is, is is much faster. And it and stacks you, up in memory in order. If you so look you at the, do any extra shifting there, right? Okay, yes. And if you look at the next track, right now, uh, on the left-hand side at the upper upper screen, I've got the first track, 1125. Yeah. Yep. Look at the next one. It says 516.92. Well, why does it do that? Because the disk has spun all the way around again. Yeah, and I need two sectors to catch up, to animate, and to read without any delay. Bang, okay. bang, 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 bang. Okay, so your software is timed based on the disk timing and the disk spinning and everything else, so it's completely synchronous with the hardware. Exactly. Okay. So how does the CPU keep up? Well, let me show you something else. Uh, Red Bull, right? <laughs> <laughs> Pour some Red Bull over that cocoa. No, <laughs> no, no, no. There you go. There you go. Uh, Royal. Royal Export. <laughs> Royal Export. That's how it keeps up. <laughs> Red Bull. Is it gonna be Royals? 
Yeah, you know, you know what's great about this, Simon. I, um, I can I, because this tool is visual. It's easy for me to understand. If you were just explaining this verbally, I'd have a hard time following you. But the fact that we can see the numbers and we can see the tracks in the sectors, it kind of looks like a dartboard or a sliced pizza. That visualization helps me follow you. So I'm, I'm, I'm with okay. you. Yeah. I don't think you just add some pop-ups. This is Spock language because it says it's logical over there. <laughs> if you do physical, does everything change and look bad? Yeah, then it becomes Olivia no. Newton-John. Uh, so <laughs> saying you're, you're using two sectors per track to do all the processing for the whole track. So you do a track, and then you have to skip two sectors to do your processing, and then you do another track. Yep. And it's all sequential, and it just goes bang, 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 bang. So let me let me show you how the tool works. If I just grab a binary here, which is probably going to be uh, this one. Bear as in naked. Bear as in... Um, <laughs> Yogi. Okay. Yeah, it looks like chaos. Looks like. I, I've, got, I've, got, I've got a very small. I've got a very small screen here, so I have to. There you go. There you go. There's my bear thing, which is actually the stuff that I'm saying. Okay, I wanna. I wanna put that onto track. I can put that on any track I want. Oh, so you're taking a chunk of data, and you can specify where on the disk you want it to go. Exactly. Okay, so you have your samples broken into chunks that fit onto disk sectors? Uh, well, my sample is just a normal file. Okay. All this is, I, I would imagine all this would significantly cut down on wear and tear on the, both the disk and the head as well. Exactly. Oh. Exactly. So let me just find... Uh... So this is fast for loading anything, would be uh, music anything. or graphics right right and and just so you guys know too i did that in mame and mame is notoriously slow on floppy access so the fact that that was fast in mame is because mame is sometimes slower than real cocos on the floppy so oh well yeah that's because uh the um floppy driver in uh, mame doesn't actually do the interleaving correctly it's actually a bug and we so far haven't been able you know haven't been able to convince them to fix it Mm. It's because uh, the way that MAME presents the disk image is not interleaved. So when the Coco tries to read it, it has to actually wait for the disk to go around for the next sector to come by. Mm. So it's waiting That's like a whole, tra a whole circumference of the track? Yeah, so wait. your interleave is 18 or whatever, right? Yeah. Hmm. Well, interleave is like 5 or, I mean, the, I mean Simon showed it before. So. <laughs> Well, yeah, but the effective interleave is the whole track. So yeah, right. Yeah, with the main. So it has to wait for sector one, and then it has to wait for it to go around, and then it gets sector two. Which, so if you interleave it correctly, you can read one, two, three, four, five in order. Now, now, what are we looking at here, Simon? So I just dragged the binary file, which is actually the sample. It was actually the demo you're seeing. I dragged okay. the binary file onto here. Okay. And I'll just say, okay, fine. Um, Sorry. Uh, you can stage sectors individually if you want to. Wow. What, what do you mean by staged? 
stage to put onto a disk the way you want. Okay, so on the left, we're looking at raw data, and then on the right, we're looking at how you're going to do your own custom defragmenting of it? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So at the top, you see there's a file name on the... Uh, so this right is this is basically kind of like a sector explorer, if you will, right? We're looking at all the sectors on the left, and you can, can you literally drag and drop them from left to right? Yeah, you can. That's right insane. Now. That's insane. Right now. <laughs> How much would you right pay? Now, I, can, I can change the track. I can change the track. So if I wanted to stage this to, let's say, um, track 18, which is right after the directory, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Oh, so you just pumped all that data down there. Yeah. And it's doing the ordering based on how you want it set up based on the sector map. Exactly. That's really cool. So do you just keep doing this till you find a sweet spot? I I spent a long time finding a sweet spot. It's like a good woman. (laughs) 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 So basically, okay. Some will never find it. We're going to stage this to. We're going to stage this to. You see, it's populating. Yeah, where it said data before. Now it's got. Now we're seeing the actual data. Yeah. So that's obviously the wrong file, but you can see exactly what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I can say commit. Now it's going to write it to the DMK file. Actually, write to DMK. Yeah. Yeah. And then from this, if you wanted to, with this, then you could use something like the Coco SDC to take that DMK and mirror it to a physical floppy if you had to. Uh, you could uh, you have to convert it to an SDF first. There's a slight formatting difference between DMK and SDF. They're pretty uh, close, but not exactly the same. But yeah, once you run it through the converter, yeah. So that was DMK edit, and I I, uh, I will actually plug Paul Fiscarelli for that because he came up with that madness based on my madness. Doubly <laughs> insane. I said. <laughs> I said to him, well, look, okay, I want something formula like this because I want it as fast as it is possible. And he says, yeah, well, we can do that. We can do that. And we just bounced it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And we came up with this. And I actually used DMK in it for, for Coco Fests. Um, so that okay. was DMK in it. That was I, got a qu- I got a question. Um to even make it faster, is it possible to move the directory number 17 back to the bottom and then use the whole disk in, in a, you know, one after another and not Sequential. have to skip the directory? You wouldn't, you wouldn't gain much because you're only just double skipping at the directory track. The directory is located in the middle, so that it's only half the disk to seek to it uh, when you have lots of files. That's why they put it in the middle. Oh. I just, I just wanted to stay compatible with uh, a normal directory and deep B and stuff okay. like that. Because if you're doing, if you're going to do a da or a deer, I call it deer. Deer. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you Americans are duh. Dur. I R. Dur. sounds like dur. Did you know that? <laughs> now, Simon, I have a technical question. Have you experimented with doing a read track command? Does that give you an advantage or is it a disadvantage? Or um, Well, read track, read track would actually be faster, but you'd have to do post processing because read track would. Um, include the headers 
It would include the. Um, oh right, yeah, right, yeah. The the padding bites and CRC checks and everything. Yeah, right, yeah. It would include everything. And right now, um, my loader is not as fast as it could be. It's not as fast as it could be because none of the emulators, none of the emulators actually emulate stuff like <laughs> on the W WDC seventy ninety three. You've got automatic trap stepping and stuff like that. You can program automatic trap stepping. And you can program automatic sector stepping and stuff like that, but none of the emulators actually support it. So you have to do it on a real machine. You have to do it on a real machine, but I want this to work on everything I can get it to work on. Sure. It, just to be just to be nice. Simon, what's what's the ultimate goal here? You're just trying to get an optimized loader that anybody could use for if they package something? Uh, I don't know. My ultimate goal is probably is probably in my own headspace. <laughs> <laughs> just to prove you can do it. Okay, that's good. Yeah, that's good yeah. enough. Well, it's part of the demo. I mean, the technical demo is not just the graphics and the sound. It's it's the disc loader. It's everything. It's the whole package. Showing off what it can, what can be done. Right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, that's a floppy disk. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody was said that, Nick back to episode one. Was that Nick Varentis? I was yes. That Nick Varentis <laughs> <in the laughs> mm. It's like I, I, asking I, what a crikey is. I love you too, Nick. I love you too, Nick. <laughs> What's a crikey? What's a crikey? <laughs> anyway, let's it's get thing, down it's to a thing to eat you for breakfast. <laughs> Now, I have another technical question. <clears throat> After you've gone through this, you've made the DMK, you, you've ran this utility on it to reformat it so it's a certain order. You have a software team, and then we'll read the sectors. At that point, can you make it a regular disk file? Or does it still have to stay a DMK? Like, can you then just copy it onto a regular floppy? You could do it as a DSK. You could do it as DSK, but... And, and a DSK is probably just used on emulators and probably just used on the SDC. And it would still work. But it wouldn't be as fast. Because a DSK file is is obviously formatted a, a completely different way. Okay. The reason I was asking is that you can back up, you use the backup command, for example, to back up an, a DSK image on an SDC to a real floppy. And yeah. would that work? And still, would it still run as a fast load? Or does it kind of get screwed up when you do that? No, I... I actually asked back in the day uh, last year when I was doing Gimme Games, I said to Ron Delver, well, excuse me, don't just copy this. Don't just copy this onto use a backup command for a specific reason. Yeah, because that keeps the interleave and everything else proper, whereas the copy command will just redo it to whatever the interleave set for on that disk. Exactly, exactly. So you'd lose all the speed advantage if you did it that way. Yeah, but I mean, your SDC is speedy enough as it goes. Well, not only would you lose speed advantage, would you actually, at this point, fragment the data because it's not on the right track when you have your certain lookup table? Well, yeah, I think you have to use backup because otherwise that, that order would be lost. Yeah, the order would be lost. The order yeah. would be lost. And it probably, as, as Ron Delvo said to me back in the day, because I got something wrong one day, I got something wrong one day with the sector map. And he's like, Oh, your girl's all discombobulated. You remember the bouncy girl going up and down? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yep. 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 The one that got censored at Coco Fest? Yes. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> oh, she's discombobulated. Discombobulated. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
<laughs> I yeah, I prefer the, I prefer the combobulated version of that image. So, <laughs> so I got the wrong set to map, but let me show you. And uh, I, 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 most of you, most of you probably are going to go. Oh God, Dan, are we going to do this kind of crap? <laughs> no, this is good stuff. We are long overdue for floppy talk. Matter of fact, it might. Uh, <laughs> If I hadn't, okay. if I hadn't had one, soon, it was good enough. Would... It actually got David back on the show, yeah. so I mean that's yeah. that's impressive in itself. It's going to be in violation of my contract soon if I hadn't done this. So, oh yeah. <laughs> so here we've got some assembly going, which is just your basic DOS command at twenty six hundred. Okay. And the first two bytes are OS, and it jumps to twenty six oh two. Um. And this just does the plasma tag and all this kind of turd. And then it loads. I like the way you've commented your assembly there. Looks good. Logo. That's professional coding right there. Hmm. The font choice is nice too. So um, I was going to look for. Look for. Uh, Sorry for my, <laughs> sorry for my ancient DOS. <laughs> no, I had to do this on my Tandy 1000 the other day. These skills <laughs> come in handy, man, when you need them the most. Okay. you go. So your actual code loads to 200. I've got complete control of the machine. Uh, what I want to show you was the actual loader. So it was like uh... you have control of the vertical and the horizontal. Yes, I do. Exactly. Total control over you. Okay, so you will see that the loader actually goes into your nasty page, the one you can block out on the Coco Three. Ah, vector page. Yes, it goes directly into the vector page. And this, my dear fellows, was your loader. And that's all there is to it. All right? No, that's easy peasy. And this bit <laughs> is just taking them out. <laughs> that's cool. So I think Curtis will like that one. I think Curtis will like this one because that is really nasty. Oh, you're installing it directly into the uh, NMI vector? Yes. And it's just an LAO S12 S RTS directly into that. <laughs> yeah, eat the return address on the stack and return. Yeah, wait, I wait, read the whole I... stack frame, I should say. Yeah, that's about as nasty as it gets. I have to change that to a 14 com S on a 609 native mode, though. <laughs> Sorry, being nerdy here. Yeah, technically, I like what you've done there. Well, Love your work there. This is beautiful. This is fantastic. It's incredible. <laughs> bigly good. It's bigly good. I love the semicolons. Incredible semicolons. Yeah, <laughs> hey, uh, hey, uh, <laughs> And I, I can see Stevie's eyes glazing. No, no. Look, look at this. Look at that alignment. Uh, Simon, I, I would love to be able to study your code more. As you know, in the past, I 
this is uh, Mikey. As you know, in the past, I've taken a taken a peruse at your code to see what you're up to. Um, I guess you're working on a demo right now. Are you after your demo is out? Are you going to share any of your secrets like you did last time? All this code, all this code is free for all when I'm done with it. Yeah, right. After you release your demo, that would be awesome. It would. It's real, you know, really cool that uh, you're willing to share share your code so that we can learn things, learn cool Absolutely. stuff, cool nerdy geeky, deep, you know, floppy stuff. Floppy yeah. stuff. <laughs> now, now, Simon, we have a technical question from Sixy in the chat. He's asking about automatic track stepping. He says he can't find anything in the data sheet, even multi-sector type two commands implemented as you're using them. Don't say anything about advancing the track. So how did you find out about that? I actually read multiple, uh, I read multiple data sheets um, and I found some stuff on and um, I think it was an Oric, Oric machine. An Oric machine that actually used the WDC 7092-7093. And I found out about the automatic step and stuff like that. And I tried it on a real floppy and it works, but the emulator just does not do it. Well, it's not well documented because I don't remember seeing that either. And I, I mean, is there a difference between the documentation or even the chips themselves and how they work between a 1773 and the 1793? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, but but anyone could see here that everything is everything is actually. You can see, if for example here, I'm saying 8090, and my 80 is in A. Right, and 90 would be auto sec auto sector increment on the FDC itself. So you don't have to rewrite the sector number to the controller. It's already done for you, basically. Exactly. Exactly. But nobody supports it. I don't think anybody knew about it. I don't think it's in most of the controller manuals I've seen. <clears throat> nobody knows about it. And, and you know, this is uh, like that 256 color mode, I think, you know, except you've actually found it. <laughs> I spent so much time actually working out how to load something faster than a shit off a shovel. <laughs> There's another one of them technical terms for the audience. <laughs> well, this, this <clears> that's, that's, that's actually the, the, the name of this episode this week is Welcome to Coca Talk, Shit on a Shovel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Notice it doesn't sound right in the American accent, yeah. though. It sounds better. Yeah. He did it. clean up his label to poop I saw earlier, though. <laughs> <laughs> he sprayed the shovel with pants. If, it's, if, if, right it's, if it's British, it would be shite on a spade. Shite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for the shit on a shovel emoji <laughs> now, is what I'm waiting for. Poop, jump 200. <laughs> So how Auric va uh, vacuum helped a uh, color computer flop? Shite on a spade. Shite on a spade. Just goes to show you should read multiple document data sheets because you never know what you're going to discover when you start checking out the same sheet for other right. things. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, too, is you do sometimes have to explore the hardware directly and just experiment, too. I mean, the 6309, that wasn't documented anywhere because Itachi wasn't allowed to until, you know, hobbyists started experimenting with, you know, why is this crashing differently than it does in a 6809? That's how they discovered all that. So maybe somebody, like, was this official documentation that had this assignment or was that somebody's, you know, typed in yeah. version that maybe they discovered um, it and added it themselves? Let me, let me just bring it up. Let me just bring it up. 
Because I know I've done, a, not recently, but I've done quite a bit of research on this too when I was actually working with the drivers for the Disto No Halt and I was trying to learn how the floppy worked at that time. And I don't remember seeing anything about the auto. So folks, one I'd found. This is how sausage is made. Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> sausage. Oh boy, look at that. I like sausage. Yeah. <laughs> Have we gone below SteveCon five? I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, good. He's napping. Ready? It's no problem this time. <laughs> hey, Steve, did you did you install those handholds on your chair? <laughs> I'm actually just, I was going to go get my spade so I can. <laughs> you see, we have the actual. Um, so, this is an actual data sheet. Data sheet for the FTC 93, uh, 7093, yeah. Right timing, interleave timing, all that good stuff. Oh, you got right. a lot of detail, didn't you? Encoding. Everything. Everything is, is, is that. Yeah, so. what your gaps are, how big they should be, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and. and Cover didn't do that right. And one of um, one of Paul Fiscarelli's tools lets you look at the information visually like that too. He's got a, a grease and, weasel visualizer. And that would be and that would be Italian sausage. Italian sausages. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the editor that Simon was showing earlier was showing that stuff on the right pane sometimes, depending on which view he was in. Too. Okay. Yeah. So okay, here we go. This is a different document I found up on the Oric. <clears throat> Track register, sector register, command register. So this is writing to the controller instead of like yep. writing instead of writing to the registers of the CPU. You're writing to the controller. Yeah, that's an FF four eight nine AB, I think, or something. DB DB is out the window. As soon as my DOS command fires, DB is out the window. Everything's out the window. It's total hardware. Oh yeah, there you are. Track update flag. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure that's that's not documented in the original Western Digital ones that I remember. Oh, I, I did see it. I was just looking. It's there. But it? it's I think I don't think they really they may not really talk about it elsewhere in the document. It's just like, oh, the flag is here because they show the same table in the data sheet. Now, is that 1793 or 1773? Because I know the original Cocos use a 1793 and later ones use a 1773. I don't know if there's a difference there or not. This is, this is 93 here. Okay, yeah, so that's the original. Uh, but if you look at it, it says FD 77 7 and 1780. Yeah. So 1770 and 1780 series, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's in there, it's in there. And uh, you just gotta you just gotta dig deep. You just gotta dig deep. If you want to if you want to move forward, you gotta dig deep. I guess I did, I dug shallowly when I last did yeah. this because I missed that completely. <laughs> There's a reason Gimme Games took me over a year to perfect, and it's still not finished. I apparently had too much shit on my spade there, and I wasn't able to dig deep enough. Yeah. So I apologize. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of crap to me. <laughs> you know better, Curtis. Now you know better. That's yeah. cool. I might have to revisit the driver in Amos 9 again then, too. Yeah. So that would be handy. Retro Innovations is chiming in at this point. He's saying the uh, FD1791 through 1797 series added internal support for double density MFM modulations compatible with IBM System 34 disk format. Um, the 1771 was succeeded by many derivatives that were mostly software compatible. Um, and then we added an internal digital data separator and write pre-compensator. Ooh, a pre-compensator. Oh, uh, yeah. 
Yep, I remember that from the 1793 because you had to build it in the driver. Okay, who's... Oh, I'm on the wrong screen right now. I'm on there. There yeah. we go. There we go. All I'm right. sorry, I stopped sharing. Yep, 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 yep. Very good. Cool. So, and I just want to make sure I followed this, Simon. So, obviously, we saw the demo. And so, just from somebody looking at this from the outside looking in, you typed in DOS, you very quickly saw the disco, chuck, 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 and then boom, bim, 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 and it starts playing a sample. So, you got the music loaded very quickly. So, on the front end, 58K. 58K was loaded, chuck, 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 and then bum, 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 bum. So, boom, it was up there. Now, what we were just looking at was kind of under the microscope. We're looking at the the anatomy of the disc and the data and how the data is is sprayed around the disc and the different interleaving and how the different sector rotations are happening and all this kind of stuff. So your software is your software is timed and synced with the physical disc rotations and your data is meticulously carved around that disc in a way where it's loading and that's just like wicked mad next level shite on a spade right there, man. <laughs> <laughs> I like onions and peppers with my software. <laughs> Is that, the, is that the name of the episode? Yes. <laughs> would, would you like some portal with that? Yeah. 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 So now that's really cool, man. That's really cool. And I was actually I was able to follow it because there's a, as long as there's a, something slightly visual to come with it, I can follow it. You know. Hmm. Um, and it's funny if we were about, we. If if you think about how the normal disc is, is going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and how many rotations it actually take when there's like four sectors between everyone is mm. reading but if i can load 18 sectors in one revolution right i'm five times faster than you'll ever be yeah that's revolutionary <laughs> can't you make the disc spin at uh 600 instead of 300 ron did you ron did you ever see the video of somebody put a um cd on like some kind of uh uh they put a cd on something that spun it at like thousands of rpm and like it like broke apart (laughs) i'll see if i can find the youtube video of that for you ron okay that's the answer to your question i mean is it possible to overclock a floppy drive (laughs) i mean there's there's something mechanical to it right there's something mechanical to the drive david ladd this question (laughs) because i believe he's done it Right now, David Ladd, you've been silent this whole time. Uh, now we've been talking about floppy stuff, David. How, how do you feel? Oh yeah, babe. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, see, one of the things that when you talked about Ron doubling the RPM of a floppy, really, if you wanted to get data faster, that's when you switch to like high density. Because high density, your data rate goes from 250 kilobits per second to 500 kilobits mm. per second. So if you have like one of the two oldest floppy controllers for the Coco that can be modded for high density, well, right there, you get double the read speed because you're at twice the data rate. Hear that, Simon? David Ladd. Wait. So twice the read speed because you're at double the data rate. That seems to correlate. Yep. We'll have the boys in the lab check that out. Yeah. David Ladd, 
you've been around a lot of floppies in your life. Um, I know with uh, computers, <laughs> I, I've had uh, I've had my Model Four smoke. You know, have you ever had floppies uh, give off a little smoke? Um, <laughs> only when they were rubbing too fast. Uh, <laughs> oh, good night, everybody. Was that was that a, was that was that a long was that a was that a was that a, a, a tiptoe around the question? I'm saying, David, have you ever smoked a floppy? I mean, what are, what are we getting at here? So he, he um, just didn't inhale. I was okay. being polite. <laughs> He's being polite. All right. Well, all oh, this Lord. all this floppy talk. I believe we need to run a floppy based commercial now. At this point, so oh, where Lordy. is that? Where is it? Here we go. All right, we'll be back. Hold on. Let me go ahead and share this so you guys can enjoy. Um, Enjoy. So you guys can enjoy us. We're going to take a commercial break and we're going to hear about floppies on the commercial break and then we'll be back with more talking about floppies. And now these messages. Hello, I'm David Ladd. Thank you for watching Coco Talk, the world's leading live Coco Talk show. Good day. This is Nick Marionettes. Crikey. After you buy Gunstar. Stop right there. Okay, fine. After you bought Gunstar, go ahead and buy your copy of the Coco Fest edition of Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. It's a quarter of the quality at half the cost. ESP 8266-01 RS232 TTL Wi-Fi Network 4-pin DIN Fitbanger DB9 PC IP DriveWire 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 This portion of Coco Talk brought to you by Placeblex Dietary Supplement Placeblex Thought to help you with your floppy life. In a world where hard drives rule and floppies are superfluous, one man, one legend, one old fart dared to learn the floppy and took the brunt of jokes then all hard drives and SSDs died but the floppy survived and the only man who knew floppies became a legend once more. Floppy Life, the David Ladd story. This summer, straight to YouTube. Eight slot MPI, floppy drive, Coco SDC, sound speech pack, orchestra 90, RS-232 pack, modem pack, super IDE. You start adding all those together if you want them all usable at the same time well guess what you just went over the four slot mpi david lad oh i'm much happier breaking stuff all right we are back with everyone's favorite topic boys and girls floppy talk i want everybody to remember safe floppying safe flopping that's right make sure you wrap that floppy in its sleeve in the sleeve keep your floppy in its Don't sleeve bend it. 
That's right. Uh, in the, in the, the last the commercial there where it had super uh, purple. Insert carefully. It says yeah, put never. Your in the slot. Never touching. Don't finger your floppy. Don't finger yeah. your floppy. And uh, keep it cool. And uh, yeah, no magnetization. All right. Stay so floppying, everybody. Protect it. Don't bend it. Insert it carefully. That's very important. Proper insertion is always important. Um, never touch that shiny part there. Um, you have to check the temperature. So put a thermometer in your floppy from time to time to check its temperature. Um, and then every now and then you want to just magnetically realign the heads by putting a magnet right there in the center of the floppy. <laughs> no, Is that no. Oh. <laughs> I think you're misreading that. Steve. Am I misreading that? Okay. So My, my floppy's got a hernia. <laughs> Does, does anyone remember software installs on floppies? Oh yeah, Slackware. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I still. I think I still have a box of Linux floppies somewhere. Yeah, that, that's one Slackware install. With I did a X twenty Windows. floppy OS two install. Wow, Simon, were you, what were you just saying? Yeah, can I tell you a funny story about that? Cause yeah, yeah, yeah. Back yeah. on the C sixty four. Yes, I I did do C sixty four. Um. A lot of C64. Um, here we go. Kelly learned better. Here we go. Here we Says go. the Apple guy. A bunch of C64 floppies here, right? I've, I've got your beat. I just got a C64. I've got two giant peach crates filled with floppies or C64s that I haven't looked at yet. <laughs> when, I was, when I was making demos back on the C64 and when we were cracking games and stuff like that, yes, I was a cracker. You can look Don't me copy up. that floppy. Yeah. I would never have guessed. <laughs> we were cracking games, stuff like that. And we were, we were zitty teenagers, right? That didn't have any money because we were just doing paper rounds. Mm -hmm. We didn't have any money. So, but we were trying to spread stuff about. And back then, you couldn't spread it over the internet because the internet didn't exist. So it was like, okay, how can I send floppies as cheaply as possible? Right? Because you send them to you sent them to a um, you didn't send someone's actual address because they might get done for pirating software. You sent it to like a post office box. Um, so what we done? If you take a floppy, if you just, uh, let me grab a floppy. Yeah, take a floppy, and you look at it. Yeah, yeah. What happens if you just cut the top of it? Yeah, just cut it. You got the man, the, yeah, man, the, the mylar right. in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of sending twenty discs, right, which was plastic, 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 it would fill a lot and it weigh a lot. Mm -hmm. So you just took the actual floppy disc itself out and you <laughs> stop. You shoved like three or four or five of them in one jacket. Okay. And you sent one disc. <laughs> David Ladd's cringing right now. That that's uh, that's an early form of compression, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Double space or drive space, they call it. Yeah. Right. So you put a whole the top of it off, and that's how zip came to be. No, I'm just kidding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Seriously, we did that. We did that instead of that's sending smart. that. Well, Eric, here's another thing you could have done. You could have put the address of your friend as the return address and put your address in there without a stamp, put it in the mailbox. Postman would say, hey, how did this get here? They didn't mail it, and they would just bring it back for free. So, <laughs> <laughs> Are you speaking from experience here, Stevie? Or? 
How did this get Or here? if you make a, you make a collect call to home and your name is Mom, I'm done at the mall. Can you come pick me up? <laughs> <laughs> Simon, did you ever have any issues with print through with with keeping magnetic uh, with the discs so close together like that? No, because I mean they were they they, they got. It's not like the postal postal service today, right? It's, it takes over a fucking week for a letter to get from one place to another across yeah? the street. And and uh, back in the day, it was like next morning. Well, if you think of it, magnetic material on a cassette tape is touching each other. Yeah, and that's exactly why I asked that because you do get issues with print through on on audio cassettes. It takes well, yeah, but it takes years for print. Through yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's I I remember true. the floppy mailers. They were kind of like a cardboard, Board, yeah, you know, cardboard sleeve, cardboard sleeve, you know, floppy mailer thing that you could buy at one point in time. Um, I like the idea of take the discs out and take the physical mylar discs out stick them in a magazine and send it media mail <laughs> stick it in a magazine huh well, well, I have to say yeah, it's 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 between pages just, of the magazine right it's like 30 pounds for a dollar or something it's crazy what yeah. you can ship media now, for maybe i'm just well, insane but back in, in in when i was doing that in the early 80s there we just used bbs's <laughs> well, yeah, but he wants to send a whole floppy. But yeah, BBS and you didn't even. Oh, phone it's lines, slow, but I mean, you didn't have to worry about you know getting floppies. Yeah. You know, intercepted by police or something because we did have some people, some of the crackers around my my city did get caught. I knew some of them. Mm. Oh wow. Well, one yeah. of the things that with the slitting the uh, floppy cover open is that you uh, that was one of the ways that I used to recover floppies because like if someone spilled something and it got inside the uh the fabric inside the floppy i'd actually cut it open clean the actual mylar and then use a donor floppy a new floppy disk pull out the mylar from that one and put the the mylar from the damaged disk into the new floppy disk note to self on organ donor card check floppy <laughs> yeah. I've, I've also seen some really weird heat damage where the uh, case gets uh, warped, so you can't actually use the disc anymore. But the yeah, I have a couple fine. of those. Yeah, wow. so you basically mm -hmm. slit them, pull them out, put them in a donor. Yeah, leaving them out. on the sun is as bad as leaving them on a magnet. Mm -hmm. I mean, not quite bad. So what warps what warps faster, the outer plastic than the mylar yes. itself? So the marlar yes. itself is pretty uh, resilient? Yep. Well, it's also mostly plastic. protected except for the, you know, the end the ring and stuff to hold it on the cap when you I have never drop. heard that's an interesting thing I've never heard of swapping the innards of a floppy from one you know jacket to another what is that I've done David a couple of the exact same reason that uh, David mentioned if you spill something on it you can clean the mylar off because it's magnetics that you're not as long as you don't use like a magnetic face cloth or something which I yeah. think most people don't have it should work fine and then you just transfer it because basically that cloth is meant to clean the floppy as it's spinning but if it's yeah. caked in with like coca-cola or dr pepper diet uh, yeah. Chance, then uh, you can solve Who the problem. Who spilled Diet Dr Pepper? That makes sense. Water. No. Yeah. Does, well, da see. does David have? He's wanting to rest the world. That's something that you don't want to put anywhere near your floppy. Oh, is that a big old magnet? It's a uh, tape head demagnetizer. Tape head demagnetizer. Yeah. Oh, degausser. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yep. we used to have that black thing. It looked like an iron you can set on a. Uh, yeah, the big old Radio Shack boy. Ah. Yeah. Kevin Holloway says a friend of mine removed the mylar disc and used the jacket for storing CDs instead of buying cases. That that's interesting. 
And nobody, huh. would, nobody yeah. would steal your music collection if they were in floppies. <laughs> no, they just put it in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. If uh, if that's hard, it wouldn't be a floppy anymore, would it? Mm. And that's funny. So what what people don't really you know in the 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 eight inch um, floppies and the five and a quarter inch floppies, you can you can physically see the floppy ability of the media. But when the um, three and a half inch discs came out that were in the plastic shell, a lot of people started calling those things hard discs because they were looking at the plastic case and they didn't realize that inside there was still the mylar, the round mylar disc, which the disc itself has always been floppy. It's just it went from a, a pliable um, jacket to a rigid jacket when it went to the three and a half ones. They were a little bit better protected from the elements and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so I, I remember people saying, hey, well, you have a hard disk. I'm like, that's, that's still floppy. So, and the 3 and a half also added that little door. So yeah, the little slideable slide door the to protect. Where the heads would yeah, normally yeah, go, yeah, whereas yeah. the five and a quarters and eights were just wide open. Yeah. So since we're... I remember all the, remember all the debates about the, the names of them. People saying, oh, you can't call a three and a half inch a floppy disk because it's not floppy. And it's like, well, yes, it is. It's just the, the case isn't. Right, yeah. What's that, Ron? Ron Delvo, you've been trying to chime well, in. Yeah, since we're getting into the minute stuff um what is mylar is it a form of plastic it's different plastic than the plastic of the outside right mylar what is mylar it's not a plastic or is it a plastic what is it exactly i mean there's mylar on the outside of the um lunar module that kept it you know in the spacesuits they had mylar what is mylar anybody anyone david you should know this you should have that answer queued up and ready to go is it a plastic? It is plastic. There's no chemists here. We can't tell you what mylar is, but it's like Delrin and all these other things they made up. It's it's, it's definitely a plastic because it's used for comic collecting. You what if you it? want decent Poly jackets for your comics, it's mylar. So the original definition tetrasolate. Is... It's a PET plastic. Yes. Yeah, it's a well-known fact that. Uh... It, but it has ma magnetic powder in in it. It has a well, binder it, 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 it has a on, on it. Yes. Yeah, it's it adhered to the outside. In it. it's, it's stuck on it with a binder just like tapes. So okay. yeah. And, yeah. and um, now there's also been some videos I've seen on YouTube which um, where people show trying to clean the mylar parts of the floppy disks and they're using isopropyl alcohol. Never Ooh. use isopropyl <laughs> alcohol on a floppy disk. Because that, that, well, yeah, everything all, <laughs> all of the magnetic material will be removed off of the mylar because yeah. <laughs> the alcohol destabilizes the bonding agent. So, so is yeah. that better than using a um, one of those magnetic block things? <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah, permanently, Al permanently alcohol <laughs> alcohol destabilizes bonding agents, folks. Stay away from alcohol. Read, it's uh, bad, right? So. Read Al Hartman's comment. What's that? Al Hartman says, I worked in the New York City Board of Education. Teachers used to stick floppies to the side of their filing cabinets using, using magnets. magnets. Oh. <laughs> now, where, did I, where did I leave my fly? Oh, let me just use this uh, this pin here, and I'll just pin it up to the cork board. <laughs> right. <laughs> that could be better. Yes. Oh, Al, that, Al, that's great. Use nothing. Uh huh. I'm sure. I'm so, so what is the recommended floppy mylar cleaning product? Um, usually, I've used um, warm water when I've had to just 
disassemble, disassemble a floppy, left it in warm water for a little bit so that way it would uh, loosen the grime, and then I'd rinse it off. Dissolve the sugar. Right, and mm -hmm. then uh, let it thoroughly dry. Of course, you should always use uh, distilled water because you don't want your hard minerals getting on the media. Mm. Um, and then after that, you just stick it in a new donor um, floppy disk and then uh, a new foreskin? recover your data. Can we call yeah. this things foreskins just so we know what we're talking about? Or no? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, um, no. you don't want dust to be in, in the dust cover because that dust will actually score the... <laughs> Rob Edmund oh. says a warm, gentle sponge bath followed by a candlelit dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, if, uh, let's see if we can do this here. Uh-oh, are you going to circumcise a floppy candle? right now? No. Okay. Let's 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 see if I can get this to work. You can actually um you can actually if I took this right, you can actually see the scoring on the disk. I don't think that's going to come through on Zoom. Okay. That's what I was no. trying to do. But if this 8-inch floppy here, uh if I look at it, it definitely has you can see scoring on it. Take a picture. Or disks. Because then you can, magnify. yeah, you can take a digital picture and zoom in on it, right? Sure, shoots and that. scores. Yes. Yeah, I've seen that with. I have most of my floppies are thirty years, and you see a lot of that, and you but, wonder, is it going to work? Of course, all Does. these computers have magnets in them. David, you 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 said you clean floppies with like soapy water and stuff like that. Did you ever had issues with actual? Um, like rust particles on the magnetic surface? Um, not me. I've had some floppies um, not long ago that uh, I was doing some cleaning because they had been donated to me a few years ago when a friend passed away. And um, a lot of the floppies actually had mold on them. So... Um, I spent the time going through every single floppy, cleaning them. Um, but I actually tried it an experiment because I figured at this point, mold, that's might well, eat, eat the material anyway. Well, you don't so, want to lick your floppy there. No. Um, yeah. Um, so I went <laughs> I through and used deoxid. <laughs> Ooh, the, deoxid. The, and I just used a little bit and ran it. So that way it would uh, loosen the material and let the actual floppies um, internal um, felt yeah. that usually is used to catch dirt mm -hmm. to wipe off the contaminants. And then after that, the floppies work perfectly fine. I had a few bad ones, but those, you know, the mold kind of just ate away the magnetic material. But Oh, yeah, you know. we can see some of the grooves there that Mikey just shared. Is that what you're talking about, the scoring there? Where we can kind of see the grooves yep. on the disc? Yeah. Yep. Groovy. That's what I'm talking about. Do you know if that particular disc works? I don't know. I don't have an 8-inch drive. I have no idea what this disc is actually for. So, oh. Mikey, you just have no drive. I wonder if the baking technique would work on, on drives, on discs that have got mold on them. Uh, with uh, with old tapes uh, that get 
what they call sticky shed syndrome. You, you, you bake them in an oven for eight, uh, for, for eight hours at 50 degrees Celsius. Did I hear completely bacon? completely all the contamination. Bacon. <laughs> There's a bacon method? Why haven't I heard about that? <laughs> so, a new kind of sausage. Is that with eggs and eggs and... <laughs> Eggs and uh, hash browns or uh, home fries. You know, David, David, I think there's a pretty big difference in between a floppy disk and an audio tape. The floppy disk is flat and norm and not really flexed, versus the tape is, you know, it's all wrapped around itself. I would think that the that the binder would be stressed a lot less um, on you know on a disk than on a tape. It does obviously. Yeah, I mean Obviously, it yeah. can come off if you, as we discussed, if you clean it with uh, alcohol. But yeah, the baking technique though isn't just for the binder. It's uh, you, you, the baking technique works extremely well for moldy tapes as well. Mm. It's, um, it'll remove the mold almost completely. Does the mold just turn into bread at that point once you bake it? You just have a little. Don't <laughs> <laughs> probably supply of penicillin at that point. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Simon, the, was there more, and I'm not, um, was there more you were going to talk about floppies or was that, were we pretty good with what you had to show I so think, far? I think, I think I demonstrated the point. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, and, but we could get a little bit faster. We could get a little bit faster, but I'm good where we are. Yeah, well, when you have a new speed boost, you can come on back and show it to us again. And and if I if I know ahead of time, I I can maybe even be set up to do it on a real on real hardware. I just I didn't see your uh, message in time to be to be yeah, queued, no, that's, queued up that's for that. Fine, that's fine. That's fine. I I'm not. I mean, I don't have much time right now um, due to family reasons. That's what it is. Yeah, I, yeah. I won't go into it. Um, but. Okay, I just wanted to kind of show you because I think, okay, people were kind of wild by, well, how did you get so many colors? Mm. Right? How did you play samples like that? And people just kind of missed the fact that it was a custom directory for one. Mm -hmm. And there was a wicked fast loader. It just went doop, 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 doop. Uh huh. Yeah, it was wicked fast. Cool. So that's kind do of. Ever, do you have your code hosted anywhere, Simon? Or are you just going to put it on your website when you're ready to release it? Uh... I don't have it hosted anywhere. I should probably set up a GitHub at some point. Yes, please do. I should probably set up a GitHub at some point, but all my code is free and I always post it on my own website and you can find anything and everything on there. You can see data sheets, everything, all the kind of turd I've been playing with. Shite on a spade. <laughs> um, Since we're talking about floppies, um, it wasn't too long ago. I heard that the uh, government in the mountain where they do all the uh, NORAD stuff and everything, they were using eight inch floppies for some of their um, computers. The missile silos. Secure. Yeah, because they were secure. You know, you I have heard to that have... they upgraded. Yeah, that, that's well. what I heard too. But just recently they were still using it. Yeah. Yeah, now they've got they've got um, they got Gotex now, so they're upgraded. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> eight-inch floppy that's built like a tank. Built like a tank. <laughs> My former employer used that same theory. They ran Ubuntu that was about twelve years old. No one was writing for it anymore. No one wrote any viruses against it anymore. No one thought about it anymore. Right. It was secure. It's the Battlestar Galactica <laughs> of, of operating systems. So. <laughs> just, just don't ask for any features, and you're fine. Right. <laughs> If you look at if you look at a lot of synthesizers, 
I feel like a lot of synthesizers. Um, they've actually got floppy drives in them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Roland had those. A lot of them. Three, most of them that I saw were three and a half, but there might have been some five and a quarters. No, mostly, three and a, mostly three and a half, but a lot yeah. of synthesizers have floppy disks in them. Mm. I've got a heap of them here. <laughs> I've got a room full of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's where these Gotex and these floppy emulators really came out, not only for retro stuff, but for other things, too. Like, I've known people who'd had, like, embroidery machines and stuff, too, that where they had to load the different patterns and stitch work into the embroidery machines or fancy sewing machines over floppies. You know, floppy drives will eventually wear out. It's a mechanical part, right? So, um, And so these Gotex are great ways to emulate floppies by letting you put the images on there, but, you know, nothing beats the real deal. Back in the day, what was fun is to be able to use the other side of the floppy and put a notch in there. The flippy. Punch a hole. And then um, the other thing was when they come out with colored ones. Yes, the different. That was like awesome. Different colored uh, <laughs> sleeves. Yeah. Not just black. Yeah. So it was red, blue. Yes. Green. Yeah. And so you could buy a 10 pack of different colors. You had like a rainbow pack of rainbow floppy disks. Yeah. I just yeah. ordered a bag of new stock off of eBay. I got 50 floppies. I believe they're like light blue, sky blue. A bag of 50 floppies, and I got it for like 30 bucks. So I got new stock five and a quarter floppies coming to me. Even in the Coco commercial market, and Simon's holding up some right now. Um, yeah. But the Coco commercial market actually had a few of the vendors that actually specifically chose certain colors for certain like games for that they their, would sell. Okay. Yeah. And then Nick Morenti's, when he was selling stuff like Gatecrasher and Pac-Man back in the day, those were on colored Yeah, look at, well. look at that. What do you got there, Mikey? Yeah, different colors. Oh, so Mark, Mark, Mark Overholzer, um, last year you gave me a box of new old stock floppies. They were Max L's. I, I have them right here. I think yeah. they were red. I had to use, no, they were black label. Hold on. Let me see. Okay. You know what really White sucked ones. is having uh, labels and then, um, you know, instead of just replacing the label, we always used a marker and scratched it off and then put another mm. name on it and then scratch that off and then put another name then you have to turn it sideways because yeah yeah i'd actually I've, I've already i've already put them back but yeah i could i could the, the irony of it was i i needed i needed to back up my tandy's hard card because i bought an xt ide controller i couldn't mm. find the floppies that came with the tandy 1000 so i had to literally break the seal on the box that you gave me it was still shrink wrapped I, I, I got it. Give it to you for your Apple. The yeah, well, works, well, you know? well, we'll redo it. But I need, I needed to back up everything on. It's talking about floppy talk. I, I went through ten floppies, hand, hand DOS copying stuff one floppy at a time because I had to back up the DOS directory, the Norton Commander directory. I mean, I literally went through all ten of those floppies. But well, you're going to need more. I yeah, but then after I was done. I found the box of floppies that came with the Tandy 1000 that had the DOS installed discs and the boot disks and all that kind of stuff. So I'm like, son of a biscuit. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I actually ordered I ordered some floppies because I'm going to be producing stuff on floppy in the near future too. So um, brand new colored floppies. Neat. Do they do they still sell the 720? Yeah, I think I think three and a half. I think new stock of three and a half is much more easier to get than five and a quarter now. But five and a quarter, you can still get. Um, yeah, the the seven twenties are harder to find because I've been looking for. Some. Oh, really? Okay. I have some right here. Uh, Mikey's got a seal. Dyson branded. Mm, Dyson. Thanks, thanks to the uh, weird stuff warehouse that's no more. That's where most of these most of these came from. I always trolled there to find, you know, find all these boxes, all, yeah. all these, find all these so, boxes of floppies. So speaking of 720K floppies, here is what's left of Connect 
on 720k floppies. This is a stream backup that I loaded into Nitrous Beta 5 recently as H1. So I have most of my stuff back after cool. the hard drive crash. But yeah, floppies for the win. These are all 720ks, and wow. uh, I'm not ever going to rewrite them because, hey, I might need to reload them again. Yeah. They're only 20 years old. They got some life left. Oh, absolutely. Set them on top of that big speaker you got back there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. yeah, Simon's trying to say something. What were you going to say, Simon? You can take 144s. You can take 144s like this. You've got like yeah, two holes, but you yeah. can just cover one hole up. You cover one of those holes up and you've got a 720. Uh, I don't think well, that's the recommended. The theory was they're too hard magnetically, so they don't write well. That's the experience we hit because we tried that at work and it was not 100% reliable. It's like we could not use them for backup discs or anything else because yeah, some I, would work, some wouldn't, some would work for a bit and then quit. And That's your Orsteds or something like that, right? Personally, I've not had an issue with it. Um, another thing I was going to talk about was like uh, back on the C64, I don't know if you guys uh, on the Coco stuff, when you were spreading discs about to each other or something, if someone did like custom disc covers like with artwork on the disc covers. like the sleeve itself you mean yeah well look it's a custom disc cover oh neat hmm and when we would spread stuff to each other this is custom disc cover we spread stuff to each other and it's like so like groups it. got to know each other kind of that way okay and so it was not just about it was not just about cracking games and um, spreading discs. It was a it was a, a complete underground culture. Mm. Uh, I remember. Yeah, there was uh, programs like uh, the TP10 was good for directory printing, and then you take tear it off and tape it onto the cover, and you have a directory of that particular floppy. I have a bunch of those that the uh, tape is dried up and yeah, well, the, yeah, falls the, off. The, the, ther the thermal paper will eventually fade too. Not if it's covered. Yeah. yeah? Oh yeah. yeah. That's that's a, that's an interesting in idea though. Yeah. In the heat, it, it's bad, but yeah. Yeah, we did that with the CGP one fifteen because it was about the same size, but it was non-thermal paper, so you didn't have to worry about getting it in sunlight or anything. And yeah. and you can do colors too. Like this, my games are all in green, and my utilities mm -hmm. are in red or whatever. And I found if you tape magic tape over thermal print, it disappears. <laughs> yeah, another yeah. thing. Yeah. I have yeah. some uh, cassette tapes that somebody had a Model 1 system with that silver printer, and they put the labels of the um, stuff on the tape on the silver um, paper and put that in the cassette. So I have a few of those to show up. Sometime I'll Sweet. show you. That, that's pretty cool looking. I don't think anybody has that silver paper anymore do they no nah, i never heard of that yeah it's i remember a, seeing them i don't know anybody particular has any printer anymore. that used silver paper it, it uses aluminum oxide that's burned off uh the, right. wasn't that the ones quick the print clair quick print two or something wasn't that the tandy one yeah, I remember. yeah. Hmm. so i have that i'm going to show then the other thing is um i used to take uh um labels and put it in my uh deep dmp uh 110 and uh print um, graphic labels for my floppies using my Syncom logo and stuff. And um, if I had multiple, uh, I'd have, you know, disc one, disc two, disc three, disc four, but they all had the 
nice logo on there and, and it was in color and it looked sharp. And uh, <laughs> sometimes I'd sit there and lay them out, you know, splay them out and think, well, look at that. It looks so professional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks better than the handwriting on a, you know, felt tip pen on a multi-lined exactly. label, right? Yep, yep. I do remember running labels through my DMP 105 about six times to make them look a little better on my products. Yeah. <laughs> Just print, overprint, 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 overprint. Hey, smooth now. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think I've told this story before. I had all of my original Cocoa floppies probably until maybe late 80s, early 90. And then they got lost by a friend. Every now and then when I see a, a box of floppies, like somebody selling random floppies on eBay, I kind of look at the pictures and zoom in to see if maybe I can recognize my handwriting. You know, hey, maybe somebody got my old floppies and I'll find them. It's a one in a billion chance, but I, I do that sometimes just just in case. So do you remember the, the name of the guy that you gave them to? Uh, yeah, it was my friend's brother and he had him in an apartment. He got evicted and lost all my cocoa and all the stuff that came with it. Is but he still alive? I have no idea. I haven't talked to him. It's been 20 years since I've been in that part of the world, so. Um, he probably still has them. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't it? It would. That would be kind of cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I went through Adventures and Floppies this week too because um, I had I had you know my Tandy One Thousand that I bought last year at Cocoa Fest. The the hard card was not working, and then I got it working, and I got it booted. But I'm like, I'm not taking any chances. So I want to back it up. So I'm, I'm having to go back to muscle memory using old MS-DOS commands. For, and the box of floppies I got from you, Mark Overholzer, they were not pre-formatted. Do you remember? There was a time later in the life of floppies that were already pre-formatted that you could just pop IBM, in them and use yeah. them. But no, these were not pre-formatted. So I had to format all 10 floppies. And I had to do one of them with the format A colon slash S to make it bootable. And... Uh, you start to copy, you know, and I was, I was, I was like, I wonder if I can get really sneaky. I wonder if I could do an X copy to the floppy, and then when it says out of disk space, I could just keep swapping floppies, and it would continue. But no, the minute it says disk full, the copy stops. So now I could get one chunk of files on one floppy. Now I have to start manually copying in file by file to get everything off to these damn floppies. And a 360k floppy and a 1000 fills up pretty quick, right? So DOS. 5.0 it took like five or six floppies to get everything did you think about compressing them up first you know zipping them up i didn't have zip Any on chance? there i i know no <laughs> no no but did I did, DOS I did. six or any of the future DOSs um fix that what compression so you could do that no so you could do uh multiple discs. oh i don't know i don't know i think they're mostly there were third-party tools there oh. might have been Never mind. But yeah, so I mean, I'm just doing this all by hand and on the fly. But yeah, having to relive the days of MS-DOS yeah. on the Tandy 1000. And, you know, it's amazing what you, it just comes right back. It's like literally like muscle memory. I mean, I spent decades in DOS, <laughs> you know, before we went to the full Windows world. So, um, I, CB, if you're going to mess with that, I recommend you get a tool called X-Tree, X-Tree Pro. Okay. X-Tree, yeah. X-Tree yeah. Pro, X-Tree Gold. Yep. And then yep. you can just kind of keep highlighting and copying and highlighting and well, copying. It's, and... it's like, a, well, actually what it does is it lets you tag all your files and okay. you start copying. And then when it runs out of space, you can just switch to the next disk. Okay. Like that's that. what I was hoping to do. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Is... I like the, okay, this hard drive is working for at least the next 15 minutes. Quick. What do I type? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, 
Um, but yeah, I ordered an XT IDE um, for the Tandy 1000. It's a little tiny card, man. It's tiny. It, the car, the printed circuit board is no wider than the edge connector of that ISA slot. So it's a really small PCB. It's got basically the BIOS on it and a compact flash socket, and that's it, right? But it boots up. It's got and and so it emulates. It's got an 8-bit slot that emulates IDE. I guess it does must do two passes because ISA bus is only 8-bit and IDE is 16-bit. So somehow it's doing that translations and it's doing everything, and it's using a compact flash card as the hard drive. Uh, it's really cool, and um, it was like 40 bucks shipped with the compact flash card. So I, I upgraded my real hard drive to that modern hard drive, and um, that was the little project I had to do. It was kind of cool. and um, All kinds of neat toys out there in the retro world. Uh, speaking of CF cards, probably out of subject a little bit, I have this um, Canon 40D camera I've had for since 2012, and I've used this 4 megabyte gigabyte um, card for thousands and thousands and thousands of pictures and I've you know brought it in the house dumped the pictures went back out you know night after night I have hard drives filled with pictures I've taken of astronomy stuff mm -hmm. and what's amazing is the sucker still works and it doesn't really show any age hmm. uh, it's amazing it's like how many years is that eight years yeah, I remember the it's first really... the first digital camera we bought. My daughter is now 18 when she was still like in utero and we we're starting to get ready to take baby pictures. My first digital camera had a I want to say 4 megabyte compact flash card or 32 megabyte compact flash card. It's just amazing, yep. you know. It was in and with 1 megapixel pictures and uh, on that CF card. But yeah, to me those have always synonymous with old digital cameras, the CF cards. What is that? Two point oh gigabyte. Wow, look at that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's from my uh, Nikon D two hundred. Now, now they they will wear out, doesn't? Does flash storage does wear out, right? Isn't there like well, a maximum right number of maximum yeah. number of writes it's, before they fail, right? Eight for megabytes, sure. baby. Yep. Oh, look at that. First, the gift to us all is a compact flash card. Huh. Is the IDE interface in the body yeah. of a card okay you could get you could get little drives they had uh gigabyte was no what was it uh, gigabyte floppy drives that were that were compact flash drives yeah so the reason everyone went to compact flash right away was because it is an ide so you don't really have to do any interface changes per se so it's very simple to do sd cards came a lot later because sd is its whole thing and you need a real processor to Converted okay. Okay. So forward. you're saying the compact flash is an IDE form. I say the IDE yep. bus that goes right to it. Pretty much. You can, yeah. you can format a, a compact flash and and connect it directly to a IDE bus and use it as a boot drive on a computer. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's what uh, uh, Mark Marlette did with the Super IDE. Is uh, it was just directly connected to the IDE bus on it. Um. There's so, a lot of routers back in the day I used to Oh, yeah, Cisco that, routers. That was their hard drive. Yep, Cisco routers the used them all the time. Compact oh, flash. I probably have one of those in, in, yep, in the way yeah. in the box. Matter of fact, when I was at the ham show with uh, Jason and Sarah, I bought a few compact flash cards for like five bucks each. So I knew I'd need them one day. And and some of them said Cisco on the CF card, you know. So. Did you guys ever now, see memory like this? Was that a micro SD card? Oh, that's that looks like a no, SIM card or something. The other. It's a funky ca camera thing. Well, it was yeah. in a um, a. Uh, is it the Sony Memory Stick Duo? No, the backside oh. is blank, 
but it, it was memory inside of a uh, machine that we had for um, AT&T for their... Uh, it looks like a SIM card or, or a micro yeah, no, it SD. It looks like a smart card to smart me. Smart card, okay. Yeah, it has uh, that same thing that's on your... Know your um, yeah. credit cards and yeah, and, smart uh, chip, yeah. cards. Yeah, so hey. I got it sitting here when I threw out the machine, and I'm thinking, eh, I wonder mm. what size it might be. It's not a cocoa project, but it could be. <laughs> I think I have you guys all beat. This right here is an eight megabyte SD card. No, oh. I had the eight megabytes. I did eight megabyte compact flash. I didn't mm. realize that they had them this small. Eight megabytes. Wow. <laughs> yeah, my smallest one's sixteen megabyte. Yeah, I think mine is too. All right. Yeah. So when, I, when I first heard about these, your... sixty-four meg was the smallest I'd ever heard of. Well, those one terabyte um, SD cards now, right? They're getting up there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think so. What were you gonna say, David? So, like on your Tandy one thousand with the uh, the uh, compact flash that you got with that. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you could have done is used a compact flash to USB, and then you could have just imaged that compact flash right on your Windows machine, and that way later, if you had to, you could just restore it. Yeah, well, the instantly. compact flash was, was a replacement for the other one, so I didn't have anything for it before compact. but i do have yeah i do have a compact flash reader that will be delivered by amazon today so moving forward my problem on how do i get things into my tandy 1000 are solved because now it's hard drive i can pull its hard drive out and stick it in a reader on my pc and just drop things right on it because it's fat you know so i can load up the hard drive on my tandy 1000 now because it's a compact flash card so i don't have to worry about doing michael doing floppies what is that is that a cf reader that's a, it, it reads anything basically. That's CF, a, that's a um, CF. You know, that's a that's a uh, toaster a, oven, right? So we can just. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like hard drives as well. Yeah, that, that'll hold, that'll do like the thick bagels too, right? Not just normal slices of toast. Or... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so what about. I was what I was talking that's about pretty much anything to anything. Mm. What I was talking about was the micro drive. It was actually a compact flash card. With a hard drive built in, oh, it's like 170 megs. Well, what were the um, megs. what were the PC MCIA cards? Remember the early laptop things that you shoved in the side of the. Isn't early that what laptops? Mikey was just showing? Is that what that is? Is that a PC MCIA, Mikey? It says something flash. Yeah, here. Yeah, that, yeah, that was a, that was a no, notebook. Yeah, the early notebook yeah, bus was the personal computer memory yeah. card industry and card bus. There was yeah, yeah, card bus. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, this one is uh, eight megabytes. Yeah, I remember PC MCIA. Uh, I got a network card like that, like a Wi-Fi card. Yeah, Wi-Fi cards yeah. and the network cards and even modems. I had a modem where the phone jack you kind of popped out to the side and you pop the wire down into it yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Back in the nineties, when I was doing service work, the uh, PC MCIA cards. Um, a lot of people don't realize this, but the combines, they used um, those to uh, keep track of where in the farm they, and how much grain they were collecting in different areas. So that way they knew where they needed extra fertilizer for their um, planters the next year. So that way they knew at what points they were getting yields. So that was the combines data storage. 
Well, we have plenty of fertilizer on this show. Yeah, we, we, need, we need a spade for all the shite. So uh, guys, on the shovel. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was an agric cocoa. I had a, uh, a laptop with a uh, PCMCIA slot in it, and I had a, a Texas Instruments Firewire chip in it that I used for uh, for multi-track audio recording. It plugged into my uh, Firewire mixing desk, and right. I also used it for video editing too. Oh yeah, yeah. What were you holding up there, Mark Posley? Didn't get a chance to see it. Um, uh, we were just talking about Compact Flash. Yeah. So this is the an actual. If I get close enough here. Uh, the IDE interface, so it emulates a hard drive. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I got. Um, I have another one of those too. Yeah, the the one I bought for the Tandy One Thousand was an all-in-one card, so it's the controller, the BIOS, and the and the uh, Compact Flash holder. That one there is meant to plug into a, like a, a a normal PC where you plug the forty-pin IDE cable into that, right? Right. Yeah, I have one of those too that I'm going to be using for my Windows ninety-eight box. But yeah, the one I got for my Tandy One Thousand is like all-in-one, so the the, the boot BIOS and everything's on it for an old 8-bit system. You know, they call it um, XT-IDE is what the thing is called. How um, much was that? Got, it's 40 bucks. No, his. Oh, yours. How big is your compact flash card there, Mark B? Uh, 4 gig. 4 gig. How much was it? I got one of those IDE adapters, too, from um, Mac G4. I don't know. I scavenged these out of, um, it was a, uh, started off as a PC, but it uh, booted Linux. Uh, and it was used as a like a network in the box uh, type device. So it was like a uh, email server, router, all that stuff in one box. Uh-oh, what is what's Simon got there? I see a Molex connector. Show us your floppies. Show us your storage. Okay. Uh, three and a half inch. It's a 1.44. That's modified to uh, 720. But... If you look at the edge connector, it's like everything connector. Yeah. It's like the five yeah, and a quarter yeah, it's got yeah, the, yeah. The adapter yeah. kit. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Seen those. The little oh, bug. Yeah. It goes from pin little to bug. edge. Yeah. Yep. 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 So that that thing is wicked. That thing is wicked. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can get the cables that have like right next to each other. It's got one for pin and one for edge. So you it'll each you know your A and B will accommodate either or. I bought a few cables like that too. So, but it was a one point forty four. It was a it's a, a one point forty four, um, and it's old, old, but marked two thousand six. Sony. Yeah. Yeah. And I just I modified it by. Um, doing some doodads inside like it's a 144 drive and i just modified it for 720 yeah ron's got a usb floppy drive there too yep yeah that, that works well that yep. reads 720s or yep 144s works great i'm just realizing that i've often paid more for the interface cable in the past than i now pay for the entire device <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it depends on how badly you need it well, like the forty dollar uh, hard drive thing, and I paid forty dollars for a MFM cable set <laughs> years ago. But no episode of Floppy Talk would be complete without a David Lad special grease weasel. Grease weasel. <laughs> hey, how and many of have, you guys I have one of those adapters here too? How many of you guys have a uh, parallel cable? That's it. Parallel cable, like the 25 pin to Centronics that goes in the old printers. Yeah, I haven't had one of those in years. 
I had a little oh, zip drive okay. that yeah. used one. Yeah. Yeah, I'll hold my beer. <laughs> right. So, so that's the little mini floppy power connector there next to the edge connector, right there, where your. Yeah, the the I don't know where the cable went, but uh, the power connector, yeah, for the three point five. That's the little uh, mini, five. the mini floppy power. Yep. Okay. Yep. Now, do they make adapters in that where you can maybe power that via USB? Do they make like a USB to mini floppy cable or something like that, or do you like? Or is this um, intended to go inside a computer that's already got the power supply with that power lead on it? Are these what you well, were talking for, about, Ron? For, for the grease for the grease you actually connect the USB connector to your computer. Ah, okay. And then, and then, so, so this is, as David puts it, is a cheap way to image floppy disks. To make an image on your computer of a disk that you have, or you can take you can take an image and write it back to a floppy. So this doesn't really go inside the computer. So the power situation, some three and a half or five volt only, and some need 12 volts as well. So it just depends. So is the non-answer. This, uh, this drive out of here, I have a complete separate little five volt wall work. That's, that's how you're powering it. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, then I have the, you know, the cable here, et cetera. And I imaged a lot of a uh, lot of this with this. This one is uh, this one is the Alps, I think. Yeah. Okay, so you're providing that. power to the floppy drive. The floppy drive right. cable connects to the grease weasel. The yep. gr the grease weasel then connects to your computer via USB. Right. And then you read the floppy from that physical floppy drive through the grease weasel into your computer, and you image it that way. Uh, that's correct, yes. So the grease weasel is the middleman between the physical floppy and your PC. So the, the, the problem with uh, most, uh, the problem with uh, like the drive that Ron had, um, that drive can only do 512 byte sectors. And Coco disks are 256 byte sectors. Um, so there's pretty much no way to, even if you had a three and a half drive attached to your Coco, um, you could not take that disk into the drive that Ron had. You can't read it there. Jim Brain has just sent us a picture of something here. What is this a picture of, Jim Brain? This is huge. Is this an 8-inch floppy drive? That is huge. 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 <laughs> I don't know what that is that Jim just sent us, but it's huge. How many of you people out there have a backpack? A backpack? You still have one. What is that? Backpack, you mean the five and a quarter, mm. the five and a quarter floppy drive in a metal case. Ah, uh, backpack. I remember those. I'm going to talk about parallel. Here we go, Blue Streak uh, Ultima. Oh wow. Ooh, yeah. Oh, so he says that was a Tandon TM eight four eight eight inch floppy from a Tandy Model sixteen B. Bravo. All right. Wow. Ron, you were talking alone. about uh, 25 pin Centronics. Yeah, yeah, parallel cables. There they are. Yeah. Here we go. Cool. <laughs> it's not a Coco Man project, but it could be. I got these with a uh, with with one of my Cocos that I bought. Huh. Well, if we're going to talk about unusual storage, here's a IDE interface. You know. Yeah. That's memory only. Ah, two hundred and fifty-six meg of uh, really could be considered one of really early um, solid-state hard drive. Yeah, an IDE SSD. 
Yep. See if I can get this in the frame here. So IDE interface. Yeah. And it's just got a memory memory chip on it. That's cool. That'd be a great hard drive replacement. So is it mm -hmm. battery or is it just a like a RAM disk? RAM disk. It's it's flash. There's no battery on this on this guy. So it's flash. It's a it's a solid state hard drive basically. Yeah. That's yeah. IDE interface. That's neat. I have something special to show. I mean, give, give one moment to get it ready, but uh, this is not uh, not Coco. Welcome uh, to Mikey has something special to show, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Mikey. You guys know what this computer is. It's uh, a QL. Sinclair QL. Yeah. Oh wow! And it has a very very unique storage. These slots here are micro drives, and uh, <laughs> basically they're a little cartridge. Aren't they uh, tape? Much, much worse. Let me get one out here. Um, comes in a little folder, and it has these little little cartridges in okay. it. Okay. And uh, basically, they have tape. Holy crap. That's a tape cartridge. Yeah. Look, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold it up against my hand. So yeah. You can see That's how small this Micro thing tape is. cartridge. Micro tape yeah. cartridge. It's basically like a little bit larger than a normal SD card, but it's got tape inside It's a single loop of tape. So and it just goes in there, it presses against the head, and uh, then it's, it's, it's engaged. Then it loop around. So you want to talk so about you want to talk about interleave problems. Just <laughs> 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 circle back around. I think it, I think this loop of tape. So this tape holds something like a hundred, something uh, kilobytes of data, and um, it uh, takes like I think eight to ten seconds to go around the loop. So it's not really that bad. Okay. It was like an eight track. Eight hundred yeah, kilobytes. Say that. Like a mini eight track, it's, micro eight track. It's <laughs> infinite storage. You can just keep writing to it forever and ever and ever. <laughs> <laughs> Just like them cheap USB drives on the uh, Amazon. <laughs> yeah, somewhere, somewhere here I have the original. I don't think it's. That is yeah, wild. Just, just as an example, uh, this is a, a soft piece of software that came with the QL. This is a drawing program, but this actually, you know. So people, so they distributed software on those tape cartridges. Right. Now, could they be write protected where you could not accidentally erase them? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. There might be some way to do it. I don't see any. I don't see any switch or anything. Maybe that would maybe be a concern. You know, you one. bought this fancy piece of software, and then oh shit, I just wrote over my damn drawing yeah. program cartridge. You know, <laughs> yeah, I that was. I a... remember they can. I don't remember how exactly, but okay. Because that's the that's the one benefit. What, what are you holding up there? Oh, is that a zip something? What is that, uh, Brian? Brian Schubring, what were you holding up? I you're, Omega. You're muted. You're muted. Uh, you're, zip you're muted. Yeah. You're still muted. You're muted. You're muted. You're muted. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, He's a okay, I'm back. It's a. <laughs> this is a Ditto tape backup. Can you say that again? Right. Yeah. Ditto, Ditto brand. Can, can I you Omega. say that? Can you say that one more time? <laughs> ditto tape backup. You see what I'm doing ditto, there? Ditto, 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 ditto. Okay, there you go. All right, he caught on. Oh, right, I so. remember those. <laughs> yeah. That's before it zip drives. It goes into a, the cassette 
port. Okay. Or not excuse me. Um, the uh, diskette cartridge right. uh, port. It took up a floppy bay, basically, a five and a quarter it, inch bay. No, uh, it's just regular uh, double floppy bay. Yeah. And and it uh, acts like a uh, floppy, but with it, everything goes on tape. Yeah, yeah. I'm... If you want to talk about the zip. Yeah. Zip yeah. drives. You know, I you got uh, the let's see, it's who did this one? This was I Omega. Two fifty by I Omega. Yeah, yeah. The original ones and were hundred megabytes. Hundred and twenty. Hundred hundred. Yeah. What is that? Yes, Curtis. What yeah. is that? This is a SideQuest two hundred or three hundred fifty megabyte. Oh, um, the replaceable like hard drive cartridge things, right? Yeah, it, it, exactly. It's uh, it's actually for SCSI. Okay. But I think they also did it for other formats also, but it's uh tape backup or not it's an actual disc that you can remove the disc itself. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And those those came like, out originally like forty four or eighty eight meg or something. Yeah, like those were like size. hard drive cartridges. So it was like a swappable, hot swappable hard drive thing where you can keep adding more storage yep. to that one slot. Yep. Yeah, that yep. was kinda Some, neat. Uh, quite a few Kogel users used to use those, both the uh yeah, I had uh, I had zip drives when when you could buy the one that had the twenty five pin connector. It would work off of Parallel or SCSI. And when you compared the two, having going from Parallel interface to SCSI interface, I always jokingly say, "Well, they didn't call it zip because of its speed, right? It's trying to load that hundred meg <laughs> floppy drive over that Parallel port was just slower than trying to swim through molasses," as Simon said, right? So uh, <laughs> that had a bad interleaf. Computers had oh, a Parallel you, port. You, yeah, there's a there's a mode you can enable on the parallel port to make it faster. Yeah, yeah, the e- yeah. ECP or whatever. ECP, right? yeah. yeah. And then there's the DMA mode version as well. But one of the things about those Cyquist drives that you talked about, Curtis, the 44 was very popular here because the 44s could actually be set in 256-byte sector mode. So therefore, right. all OS9 boxes could actually use the data across them all because there was no what they call the deblocking to get the 512k set or the 512 byte sectors to work on the coco well since the drive was native 256 bytes for what the coco saw all the other machines could use it too so the mm1 the um what was that other 68k os9 box i can't TC70, remember 70 system 4 yeah, but they all could use it with, you know, that was the fastest and easiest way to transfer oh, large man. files between all of the machines. Yeah, I remember Alan Huffman had a few of those too. And then I can see Rick's holding up, a, what is that, a nine track? This is a nine track. You can't forget those. I have an Eclipse too. And it's 1600 BPI dies. or which, which, which density? Oh, geez, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> but, Does anybody uh, have any punch cards? <laughs> no punch cards. I don't have a reader, so there's no point in having cards. I do have an eye track, though, so I got That's this. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, they're talking in the live chat. They're talking about jazz drives, too, the jazz drives. The thing about jazz drives is whenever you went to put them in or out of your computer, you had to do this with the jazz hands, right? Ooh, jazz drives. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, uh, asparagus? Asparagus. <laughs> I just put in my jazz drive. Ooh. <laughs> I had um, I had a zip drive. 
Um, a company I worked for, we were using zip drives to store. Uh, we were doing this virtual operator system that ran on Windows NT. And so all the recordings of the different people's names, when you went to ask, you know, dial by name and it said the person's name and stuff, those were all stored on a zip drive. Uh, at that point in time, the zip drives had actually gone to IDE interface where you could, even though it fit in the in the bay on your chassis like a three and a half inch floppy would, you screwed it into like a floppy bay of, the, of your chassis, it was actually an IDE drive, um, the zip drive. So the performance on them were, were pretty decent. And, and ironically, you know, for those of you aware of my whole tragedy of cosmic aliens and I lost my source code and stuff, I had my source code transferred all to zip drives, and I had possession of those zip drives as late as like 1999 or 2000, and sometime between putting stuff in a storage and moving, I lost those zip drives, but that's when that's the last time I still had the uh, source code to my mm. Cosmic Aliens game for MS-DOS, but on zip drives that I freaking lost in a move. Um, and before they were on zip drives, they were on something else, and I had consolidated all my stuff onto zip drives. Zip drives were pretty cool because they were the size, basically the size of a floppy, but they held a hundred megabytes, which was you know almost a hundred floppies of capacity. Uh, Brian Schubring, hold, let me spotlight you, Brian. Right, so zip drives were you know basically floppies on steroids, right? PC one hundred, right? And that was the first version. Later on, there was like a Zip two fifty or something like that, right? Or a Zip, yep. maybe yep. even the a the Zip five hundred, was wasn't it? There's then a yeah. seven fifty, I think. Yeah. The jazz was one gig and two CDs gig. Then CDs came out and killed them. Well, yeah, they were well, great right up in... And they're rewritable. Yeah, it's about the size of a floppy, but it's holding like 90 times the capacity, you know, so... Didn't I was going to say... These didn't were... one of the ads for the zip drives have uh, one zip drive with like a picture of 100 floppies? A stack of floppies right next to it, right? Yeah. yeah so. Right. I remember they were great right up until the click of death. The click yeah. of death. What was that? That's right. There were only so many spare sectors, and once you went past them, you were done. Oh it was yeah, gone. I never. That whole hundred megs was. Mm. Hey, Salvador yeah, Garcia. Like the drive would actually get damaged, right, or it would damage the disc or something. It would, the disc was just gone. Yeah, and I, so you'd lost all your work. Yeah, that hit us at work a few times in the pre-press department. Steve mm. Gibson found. Yeah, that or the. The nice thing about the Zip 100s, the 250s, and the 750s is they were all um, based on floppy technology because they still had a Mylar floppy inside, in, them. inside them. The Jazz went to a hard disk platter just like the Cyquist because iOmega was Cyquist's competitor mm. for quite a long time. And then there was Orb, uh, oh, yeah. there's the Spark. Oh, Spark, um, I forgot about. Spark was awful. And I remember which, Spark. Which, at the time, for service, um, I, I actually died. had pretty much all those drives because I had to be able to read customer's cartridges. So I've got the Orb, the Spark, the Jet, well, the one gig uh, Jazz. So I've got a few of the drives. And the nice thing, they're all scuzzy. And the great uh, thing there's was, also those old floppy ones like the LS120 that did 120 meg super floppies. Yeah. There's an earlier one that did 20 meg, but could also directly read 720 and 1.44. The, the floptical is yeah. what that one was called. <laughs> well, it's because there was actually an optical track embedded in the disk, which is how um, it had the finer uh, tracking on that. That's why it was called the floptical, because yeah. it was a combination of optical and, and magnetic. Um, 
The great, the great thing about standards were there were so many of them. So. <laughs> <laughs> Mini disc is a combination yeah. of optical and. I, I think the coolest thing that I ever had at one point in time, and I was really blown away about it. You, you know, when they had the half half height, um, five and a quarter inch floppies, there were people that made one of those that took up one half height bay, but it had the five and a quarter inch and the three and a half inch that only took up one yep. floppy bay. And it was just so cool that, oh, man, this is so thin. We have so much storage stacked into this little space here. When you when we started going to, like, the mini AT cases for our custom PCs, you know, you wanted to really minimize your bays and how much stuff you were using. Um, that was the coolest thing um, at one point in time in my life. It shows you how sad I am. So, <laughs> Wasn't that the FD503 uh, computer system? With the color computer that they were trying to come out with oh i don't know about that this was this was like this is back in days like windows 9 you know windows 3x for me this was on a pc but uh, i just remember that double floppy thing i did get some third height five and a quarters from some tandy product that i had stuck in a 502 case at one point but i don't remember where but yeah cool three drives and a two drive case yeah mm -hmm. uh -huh. right it's a power PC right there. Uh, wow. All right. Do we need to take a break from all this floppy talk? Do we need to oh, breathe oh, in? Yes. Breathe in for Do a second. News. We got news. Yeah, we have news. We got game on. We got we got show and tell. We got a lot more to do, but we're having we're having fun talking about storage here, and and I'm not falling asleep or wanting to rage quit, so that's a good thing. So um, <laughs> why don't we take a commercial break? We'll come back. Do, do is there more storage conversations that need to take place, or do you think we've we've have we talked enough storage for now? now? I think we are we good on storage for now. Well, oh, we could talk about yes, storage Steve. totes. Storage totes. We could do that. All right. So let me ask you this now. When we when we come back from the break, would we? What would you guys like to do first? Would you like to do news game or news. game on? Game on. Game on. Uh, Curtis, Game on. How, how much news news do we have today, Curtis? Do we have a lot of news? or How much news uh, There's news 11 there? regular news, and there's, I think, six on the Game On news. And All right, so we'll do we'll do Game On. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And then we'll do Game On news after that, because then I can do the cross-plug for the uh, Children's Hospital thing for the Migos. Okay. All right, well, we're going to take a commercial break, boys and girls. Uh, let's see here. Do we? What do we want here? We want... You know, it's been a while since, what do we want here? Commercials, commercials, commercials. We already did Floppy Life. How about a little bit of ease of use? How about that? A little bit of ease of use, and we'll be back with Game On after these words. And now, this message. Hi, this is Curtis Boyle, part of the uh, Coco Jack crew of people. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Noble co-author of Nitrous 9, you are listening to Coco Talk Live, the leading live Coco Talk show. Good day, mates. This is Nick Marionettes, author of such color computer titles as Donut Disaster, Rupert Rhymes, and Rockstar Pilot. And I am here today to tell you about the world's most fabulous operating system, OS9. OS 9 and its current incarnation Nitrous 9 is the most advanced operating system ever created. And what makes it so good? Ease of use. I find OS 9 so incredibly intuitive that I haven't once cracked open the user manual. 
And yet I've been able to create such incredible games faster than the time it takes to sing Walsing Matilda. Using OS 9, I expect my next game, Funstar, will be done this weekend and distributed exclusively on ROM cartridge. OS 9 forever. Any resemblance to actual events, to persons living or dead, is purely coincidental. Hi, this is Max Jackson, live from Coco Fest. And you listen to the real game, Steve Shrove. We're traveling through a dimension both of sound and ideas. We're at a place where the mind can comprehend and devise a solar radio, a wireless transmitter, measure time and light. 65 electronic projects brought to reality with this science fair kit. Astonishing, perhaps, but you can find it for Christmas for $17.95 in a place that's known as Radio Shack. Radios, stereos, recorders, everything in sound. Sean Wheatley, and you're listening to Coco Talk with the original gamer, Stevie Stroke. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. When I go so fast, I go and crash into the mountainside. Then I start again on this wild, crazy ride. Then I dodge the copter and hit the mountain again. No, no, no. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy, what did you go do? It scrolled so fast into the enemies I flew. <laughs> too fast, too fast, too fast, too fast. There's no answer. At least I know that Buzzard Bait is better than Lancer. <laughs> Crystal City. Crystal City, Crystal City, yeah! <laughs> Feels like the Doors concert. Yeah, it's awesome! <laughs> Jeremy, Jeremy made this wicked brew. I'm failing really fast like the rest of the crew. What is, what is, what is the chancer? At least in Rumble 3D, you get to drive a Panzer. <laughs> Crystal City. Crystal City. 
Crystal City. Look out! Here they come. <laughs> when I go so fast, I go and crash into the mountainside. Then I start again on this wild, crazy ride. Then I dodge the copter and hit the mountain again. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, Jeremy, Jeremy, the joystick got through. <laughs> They shattered up fast the pieces they did strew. It was, it was, it was a big blur. I'm gonna drown my sorrows with Brewmaster. <laughs> Crystal City. Crystal City. Crystal City. I got blisters on my fingers! <laughs> wow. Yeah. I like Thor's comment in the chat. He says it's still scrolling slower than the actual game does. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I am dizzy with oh my god samuel gimes samuel gimes this one you think samuel can't outdo samuel samuel I was, yeah i was blown away by that i didn't know what he was going to do if anything with this game and uh that was brilliant oh my god oh. that was dizzying <laughs> Woo! all right so yes gotta... it was a fast game i think that's the point that samuel was making it was definitely a very very fast game all right. Well, are you ready for the results, Nick Morota? I am. Okay, here we go. High score challenge with Nick Morota. All right, and welcome to the Game On results. We had a fantastic week with 22 sports submissions. Uh, we had Mikey at 29, Michael Klein at 352, Tim Holleran at 357, R. Allen Murphy at 437, Mark Bosley at 556, Adam at 895, Alpin Grace 1212, Rogelio 1257, Joshua 1304, Canadian Retro Things 1372, Cat Lord at 1377, Mr. Dave 1590, Frodo 1991, Tom C at 2353, Buck Owens 2627, Jim Rye at 2815, Devil Bunny at 2881, David Croker at 2934, Boat of Car at 3029, Tasman 4012, and the number one score, some douche named Elkers <laughs> Boyle. At 8327, congratulations, Curtis, and uh, thank you now, for your participation. I, I have to mention, Paul Thayer played several live streams, and he got pretty high scores too, but for some reason he didn't actually submit a screenshot. because Yeah, he I don't know why. Facebook. Well, why can you just look at his damn video and see it? Yeah, but he, it, yeah, it would have been easier if he screenshotted it instead of making you have to go look for it, right? But Screenshotted. He yeah. screenshotted it, yes. Yeah, I or would, it, would that be screenshot? Yeah. <laughs> Green shots fired. Much Green shots fired. Keeping him with the shovel theme. There's there's his screenshot right there. So 
So there's his playthrough, yes. Uh, I know he wanted to beat the game, and I don't think I haven't heard that he actually did. So he said in the past he didn't do it this round. I've actually never have beat the game. I've gotten to level six a few times, but I've how many levels are there? Six. Six? Yeah. Crystal City. Crystal City. This has become one of my favorite Coco Three games. It's actually it's really great. Um, from I only made it to level two, so I, I don't have a whole lot of uh, advice except. Um, I found that just, you know, getting the parachutes gave you enough shield that you could, like, not worry about too much about hitting other things, um, at least in level one, because uh, you build up your shield with the parachutes pretty uh, pretty well, so. Yeah, I would expand on that. Basically, getting the parachutes is a critical part of this game. Don't even worry about shooting everything. Um, yeah. You, on later levels, when you have less parachutes, and I should mention, the parachutes always come out the exact same spot on every level, every time you play it. So if you memorize where they're coming out, you know they're coming out, you can quit shooting and then just gather parachutes. Um, but basically, yeah, you basically your best strategy is not to shoot everything, but to gather the parachutes and just dodge things. And then on certain levels where you get less and less parachutes, then you can start shooting things so you don't accidentally hit them. And of Although course, he has, hit the ground. <laughs> he has a couple nice areas where a lot of things are lined up vertically and you can just shoot them one after the other. Those, yeah. are, those are satisfying. The one exception, of course, is the boss. When you get there, there's no parachutes and that you have to button mash like crazy. Now, I did notice one thing that he does that I tend to do sometimes, too, if I don't think about it, is on the boss level, most people just stay on the left side. You don't have to. You can actually fly all the way to the right side of the screen. So if the guy's being a dick and just bouncing back and forth on the left side, and he's probably going to hit you. Then you can actually just fly past him onto the right-hand side, let him, let him do his little maneuvers. And then when he starts coming back, then you fly back to left and start shooting him again. The one thing I found a little uh, annoying about the boss level is I wasn't sure I was actually doing anything at first because there was no real indication that you were causing any damage. The sound, the sound is the indication. The sound it goes at woo, woo, and it gets faster and faster the more damage he gets. Right. So the closer um, to implosion, the faster he's pulsating, huh? Yeah. But I mean, I kind of thought the back, his, the back end was a hot, was the weak spot. It was the one, it was flashing. And usually on bosses, there'll be some sort of visual cue as to where the weak spot is. But of course, that wasn't the case with this one. He said, Can I just uh, interject my uh, massive experience in gaming? Sure. Um, watch Coco Talk, and then you can see just how bad these games are to play, and you'll just enjoy everybody being much better than you'll ever be. <laughs> <laughs> no, this game is actually really fun. It's, it's a really neat experience watching. And, uh, I mean, he squeezed a lot of speed out of the Coco 3. Um, this yeah. Is, I mean, 60, 60 frames a second, I believe it's running at. From, uh, yeah. Oh, really? Hardware horizontal scrolling, and you got that little glitch on the bottom there because he didn't actually, I don't think he used the FRQ timer quite to do it. So was that an 86 versus 87 gimme thing? Or was no, it actually does that on both, though. It's a little bit different because the timing is a little bit different. And there's an adjustment you can do. If you're on the high score screen, hit the F key for fine tune. You can punch in a number from 0 to 7. It defaults to, I think, 4, 3 or something like that. And you can tweak it. Because each Coco, it was dependent on the version of the gimme, the speed of the RAM you have in your Coco. Do you have 150 nanosecond, 120 nanosecond? That made a slight difference in it, so it's pretty quirky. I think we've since discovered how to smooth that out. This Popstar doesn't have that problem. Digger 3 doesn't have that problem. Right. Back Dude Monster Maze doesn't have that problem. <laughs> but also, Jeremy's pushing it a lot faster, I think, than most of the other programs are, too. So, Do you know all those explosions that goes on and everything, you know? They're neat. Um, Paul, Paul Thayer had it on there for maybe, I don't know, a minute, minute and a half. And uh, I noticed myself uh, getting, like, entranced and wanting to get a <laughs> checkbook and write out a check. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's the same explosions, I believe, that are, that are in Xenex, right? Yeah, pretty much. Similar. They're pallet shifting with a gradual expanding Yukiki. Yeah, they look neat, though. The pallet shifting is new, right? To, to Crystal City. No, nope, that was in Xenex as oh, well. Oh, is it okay? Anyway, it's really cool. Because the, the, the flames of awesome. your 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 rocket flames on your ship, the flames on some of the other enemy ships on later levels, and the explosions are all sharing the same pallets, shifting the same colors. So that pallet ship's happening all the time. Yeah, pretty much. So how yeah. did they get this crazy speed? Is what I guess. <laughs> Self modifying you know? code. Uh, <laughs> he uses the two fifty six byte wide uh, mode too, so that uh, he can actually when you're building your shield past the end of the screen, it actually is literally drawing it past the screen because he's he's using a window into the screen basically to do that. He's got a two fifty six byte wide screen. The screen only displays one hundred sixty bytes, so he actually has some extra. So he doesn't have to do extra calculations, so he can just you know keep drawing it up until the maximum. There's a lot of little tricks he did in there. He's actually got the source code available for this too, if you guys want to look at it for both Xenix and Crystal City up on his site. Yeah, if you go to his site, that's right. And there's a blog post there about some of the uh, original notes that he was making, trying to get 60 frames or bust. So you yeah. can see the actual uh, thinking out loud, as it were. It's GoSub Software, is yeah. his uh, website. One other yeah, cool we, thing we about it too is, to him. oh, good. We reached out to him, but he didn't get back to us. Unfortunately, it would have been nice to. Uh, yeah, he's occasionally it. in the Coco community, so we'll still have to see if we can get him on for an interview or something, because he occasionally yeah. pops up in the Coco Facebook group. Uh, one, one of the nice things I liked about, though, is the variety of the trains and stuff he has, as each level is like a literally almost a different planet or a different continent or something like that. You have ice planet, and you have, like, deserts, and you have, you know, city stuff, and you have stuff out in the country with, like, you know, little smokestack houses and stuff like that, too, and people on the ground occasionally. There's a lot of variety in the game, and it, you know, fit within two discs. And one, it actually, I think it does run on 128K, if I remember correctly, too. I originally had it at 512, but I think I actually got told by Jeremy that's wrong. And then I tried it, and sure enough, I think it does work on 128. I think three lives would have been nice. but uh, I don't think you would have lasted 15 seconds if you had three lives. No, 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 no. Well, one life is when you die. Well, I guess I consider this one life. That's oh, okay. Consider, you know, the shield to me kind of changes that a bit, so it's not really a life. It's more of a life bar. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's now, one thing he did change, for those of you that downloaded the version he's got on his website now, he's tweaked the code a little bit because the original commercial version, which I also have, uh, you could hit keys one to six and actually start at any of the six levels. Yeah, and now he's reduced that? that. Now, on the new one, you can only do, I think, the first three is all he lets you go, and the rest you have to earn. Oh, okay. Yeah, I never made it to the second boss, so. Neat. Oh. <laughs> so uh, yeah, well, little PG so some of his some of his there, uh, so. scores there, yeah, right. So. <laughs> yeah. I had a few of those in mind too, which yeah. is why I took pictures of the actual score entry screen and not yeah. the, the main. I, I did correct. the same thing. How do you got, how do you really feel about this game? <laughs> and autocorrect messed it up. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, any other impressions of the game? Or, it's wicked uh, fast. I played it before. Yeah. I didn't have a chance to play it this week, but no, uh, I, I know played you it did. before. I, think I saw you when you had a video up on it as well. Yeah, I enjoyed this um, game. This yeah, is it's... probably one of the top five most impressive Coco Three games. Period. Oh yeah. Uh, I would I would wager to say that um, uh, Nutroid would be in the top two. For those of you who played Nutroid for the Coco Three. <laughs> I thought Nightmare Howie would have been ranked higher than that. Uh, Netroid. See, Netroid actually takes advantage of Coco 3 palettes, so that's what ranks it higher. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, nothing, can beat, nothing can beat Nightmare Highway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've tried. 
<laughs> with a stick and it won't go There's away. a whole song about how it, you know nothing beats Nightmare Highway. So. Yeah. <laughs> Nightmare Highway. Ah, neat, neat. Yeah, Polly was a busy uh, little Coco game streamer this week, huh? So sorry hey, we didn't get a scoring for you, Polly. I, I guess I could have gra- tried to grab it from here, but I figured if you would submit one. But uh, anyway, thank you for the video, though, Polly. This is yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. I like. Yeah, because on, on, he did a couple of videos, and he got up to level four or maybe even five, I think, during some of his gameplay. So some of you haven't seen those higher levels. You can actually see the entire thing go by. But the variety so- of terrains is awesome in this game. So this video is linked on the on the Facebook page for Tierra City Color Computer. He's got an entry for the. Uh, uh, yeah, and Chet Simpson was doing a live stream this week too with Digger. Several. Yeah. Yes, yes, he did. It's in the game on news. Trust me. Okay. He did. It's so... really good having having the discussions going with the gameplay in the background at the same time. It really gives it yeah. another dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I appreciate when people send in video, uh, um, send in gameplay. I'll, I'll choose one or two to show while we're talking while we're talking about it so keep them coming crystal city crystal city see all i could think of was take me down to crystal city which take me been, down yeah, to the crystal which would have been a copyright nightmare actually both the beatles and gene are notoriously bad for pull down so we'll see how this goes I really like the boss battle. I just, I love just laying into them and just, you know. Yeah, them. they're they're, they're pretty unpredictable in their movements, and then they do that flip rotation where you can't shoot them because they're too small of a target to hit. Which yeah. Makes it... uh, yeah. As long as you're patient, at least the first one wasn't bad. It's got at all. kind of a paper craft thing going on there when it flips well, like that. Them fast. You kill them a lot faster than I did. Chris, the, the fireworks city. display that was cool too. Yeah, that, that is a, cool. That was yeah. one I was referencing when we did the July Fourth firework program. Yeah, go to the magazine. I wonder if the closer to the middle you hit him, the more damage you do, because he killed him really fast compared to what I was able to. Well, he was motoring. If you watch that video and, and you'll know, fully, it's, he's motoring on that uh, fire button. Yeah. Yeah. Joystick <laughs> yeah. killer. That's <laughs> wicked, wicked awesome. There's the ice yeah. planet. The rapid fire joysticks work really fast on this game. Except you don't want to kill the parachutes. Except so. you only want to do that on the boss. If you do it on the regular level, you'll never get fuel and you'll die quick. Yeah, shoot all your parachutes. But I love the palette changes. Yeah, the palette changes really make the really makes the transition to another and world. It changes the the, the palettes of the the terrain as you're playing yeah. the level, so it goes through really. I think he may label the docks as like a really fast, crazy rotation planet that you know changes from day to night every five minutes or something like that. So it it goes through the different levels of uh, brightness for the sky and stuff. Mesmerizing. So mm, are we, absolutely. Uh, are we ready to what I would on? really like to see if oh, we can get ahead. Jeremy on, if we can convince him to write one more Coco game, I'd love to see what he could do with a six or nine. Oh my gosh. I couldn't imagine. Which one did he rewrite for the PC? Was it, um, Xenix Xenix that he rewrote for the PC? Yeah. He Which made Xenix really cool. 3d. Hmm. Yeah. Actually, we should spot like that sometime. It's not technically a Coco, but it's a descendant of a Coco game, so it's sure. kind of cool to show that off. Yeah. So, Curtis, was this like a five-minute before supper type thing when you got the high score? Um, <laughs> That wasn't my first game, no. Um, I think I played that probably about three hours straight before I got that good game because mm. I hadn't played it in a while, so I'd kind of forgotten some of the tricks and forgot where the parachutes are, so I kept shooting them. So are all the enemies in predetermined places? He said the parachutes were. 
Um, the, the stationary ones, like the things that shoot bombs at you from the ground and, and things like that, or those stationary objects, like those floating alien thingies there, those are all static and stay the same, but the launching of helicopters and those other aliens coming at you dynamically is not. Those are a bit randomized. I think they still come out in chunks around the same, but you don't always get the same patterns, at least from what I remember. So now we just wow. see Samuel Gimes music playing in the background, and we got to yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I got my acoustic. I can no, play uh, the, the Beatles scales. if you want. I'm thinking this game. What this game really needs is ukulele. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah, everything needs that. Who's practicing their scales? That's uh, that's Neo. <laughs> that was Neo playing the piano. That sounds like a that sounds like a Yamaha piano to hmm. me. <laughs> Yamaha SY77 piano sounds exactly like that. Crystal City. I can't do the band of my acoustic for that. Yeah, we need Samuel Gaines. By by the time we have a Cocoa Fest, Samuel Gaines will have enough songs he could do a concert. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and he'd be sued for five billion dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, parody's protected. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is too. It actually is. Well, th theoretically it is, but I think they're clamping down on it anyway. I think they're still... Boom. Blew it up. I think you still have to pay for the music. It's weird. Crystal yeah. City. Oh, we can see what level three looks like. I never saw it. But then we'll move on. Crystal City. Does anybody have any tips and tricks? Get get the Get the parachutes. Don't die. Don't don't rapid fire on the main <laughs> levels. Yeah. Like the main flying over the planet part. Pick out your parachutes. Try to dodge more than shoot things. Unless you get your you know, unless you do get to memorize where everything comes out. Collect parachutes like mad, and then button mash the hell out of it on the uh, boss screens. And remember, you can fly to the right on the boss screen if he's you know peppering you on the left and bouncing back and forth, not giving you time to get in there to shoot. Just avoid him. Go off to the right, lead him out over there, then go back and kill him. So if you haven't played this game for the challenge, I really suggest going looking at it because it, it seriously is uh, one of the most impressive Coco Three games. Um, Absolutely. No, I, I feel another song parody. He did the mash. He, he did, did the, the button mash. The button mash. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. But when we're talking about uh, you know top top list of Coco Three games, we must always remember Netroid. Um. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, the good thing about Jeremy is that he he did two games for the Coco, and both of them I would put in the top five ever. Yeah. Phoenix and, and so these were City. for sale at one point then. Oh yeah, I bought the originals. Uh, actually, okay. they were sale by two different companies. Originally through GoSub Software itself, which then I think was sold through EverSoft or something, and then later on Jim Davis took it over, and that's when they sold it uncopy protected, which is when the Coco market started to die down because he picked up like SunDog and GoSub and a bunch of others, and he was selling all that stuff. See, I didn't think to look in the Rainbow magazines to see if there's a review on it because I kind of figured it was after the life of the week. No, it was it was reviewed in Rainbow. It was advertised uh -huh. on Sundog on their full page ads too. Darn, I should have gone left. Oh, well, I'm sure it got stellar reviews. Sun Sundog's ended up selling. He sold it on his own first through GoSub and barely had any sales. And then EverSoft, which is a smaller game company, sold it for a little bit, and then he got it through Sundog, and I think that's when sales finally took off somewhat. But by that time, it was late in Sundog's life. Yeah, yeah, this was after I'd. Oh man, just flew through a mountain. What's <laughs> well, interesting about this game too? It, it has destructible oh, yeah. terrain, and on later levels, you have to shoot through the terrain in order to get through it. Otherwise, you will die. Like the lava structure in front of you, and you have to shoot through it to even get past it. 
which was a bit unique for 1991, you know, to have a destructible terrain game where it would actually mattered. Yeah, mm -hmm. this is really impressive. Fantastic, yeah. fantastic. Are we ready to reveal what next game of the week is, Nick Morota? Or, or was this too soon? Is it too soon? Oh, oh, I don't know. Let me recover a bit. Hold on, let me catch my breath. Um, <laughs> I've got blisters on my fingers. <laughs> so I thought next week we'd return to an old school arcade port. And I chose what I believe is one of the best, uh, most faithful ports anyway for a game on the Coco. Color script um, you set. May dis you may disagree, but <laughs> this is going to be really tough, guys. Tell me if you can identify this game. Ooh, this is Color P by Intracolor. Yeah, and like I said, I, I, I could be, I mean, there are a lot of good conversions, but I believe this is one of the more faithful. Uh, I think this is the best one. I'd have to agree. Done for the code. I think the only thing it that didn't attempt to do was, you know, alter the colors at all when you switch well, around. Well, it did alter oh, it them as much as it could. It went, yeah, they it go between, between red and blue. Oh, they yeah. do? Okay, I didn't remember yeah. that. So there is Yo, The only one I'd rank up even close to this would be, um, what is it, the Megapede clone or Kingpede, King I think it was King called. Kingpede, okay. That's the only one that I think you had had some of the other elements that the uh, the sequel to Centipede in the Arcade had that were not on this one. But the gameplay isn't quite as smooth, so it's... Okay. This is the most faithful, I have to agree. Okay. So, yeah. So, it, it's uh, so it's called Seapede on the... Seapede. Uh, C-P-E-D-E. -E. And we have legal permission from the original author for this one as well. Legal permission. We run it through legal. Are the yeah, uh, the yeah, law firm of uh, the law firm of W. David Ladd Esquire has. Uh, yeah. Unlike our parody songs, these are approved. <laughs> <laughs> the law firm of W. D. Forty. So uh, have fun with this game, guys, and I'm looking forward. Hopefully, get nice participation. Yes. And I just want to remind too, in two weeks' time. We will be doing bomb threat, so bomb there's, there's probably threat. still time. Uh, I might be cutting it close, but uh, there's probably still time to get cartridge from. Uh, yeah, I got mine Neil. from Neil within about a week's time. So Neil N E I L at cococrew.org, or the disc version from rickadams.org/slash bomb threat. Is there any difference in the program, or just this no. on a cartridge? Just the just the medium. Cartridge versus digital. So if you want a nice, cool-looking yellow cart, then you get from Neil. And it looks cool. I have one. Hello, that, that would have looked very nice in my collection. Yes. And, and, uh, and then if you just want the traditional this DSK, then you'll get it from get it from. It would uh, look very nice in my collection, even though I already have the CD. Yes. Yep. So and I already have the original cartridge. The I have the original cartridge, I have, and I have the new cartridge. So that'll be two weeks' time. Oh my. So thank you guys oh for another great week of, uh, of gaming. Oh my. Oh my. Oh my. Um, okay. Thank you, Nick Marota, as always, for, for a great segment. We, we should mention Colorpede's a uh, Coco 1 and 2 game. Coco 1 oh, and 2. Yes. Yes. Right. And it'll run in, well, the tape version ran 16K. I don't know if the disc version does. You'll need at least 32K, I think. But you don't need a full 64K. And if you have cassette, you can actually run it in 16K. Does it, run on Coco, does it run on Coco 3 as well? Or? Yes. Yep. Yep. Got it running right behind yep. me. Yeah. Okay. Um, artifact Colors. Colors. So there, do you want to go RGB ahead and... Is there an RGB patch version? Not is there sure. an RGB patch? Good question. Find out, I'll find out. Never looked. Do you yes, want to go ahead and do is. the gaming news, Al Curtis Boyle, to tail yes. in the uh, Game On segment? Yep. And then you want to take a commercial break before we hit the yeah, real we'll news? Yeah, we'll take or? a commercial break before we hit the real news. Absolutely. 
Okay, Nick, were you looking something up first or? No, no, go ahead. Okay. All right, to make sure I get the right one here. Is this the game? Yeah, that's the game. Okay. And share screen. And I gotta take off too, guys. Hi, right, David. Uh, thanks for being here. Easy. Make sure. Yeah, thanks. Thank thanks for, for floppy uh, talking with us. Yes. yes. <laughs> take care, David. Keeping us legal and keeping us on the straight path. Uh huh. Bye, guys. Really? See you later. We're See hey, kid, I... See you, mate. He really likes breaking things. <laughs> hey, it does look like there's an RGB patch for uh, color peed. Oh, oh, excellent. Yeah. Oh, good. Yep. So that color would not be on the standard SPC. Yeah, you'll have to look for that in the in the uh, usual place. Oh, this is um, this is yeah, Tempass. I like Tempass. One of my favorite games in the arcade. Tempass. As opposed to the permanent one. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the author of this one here is actually in the chat. So you guys have any questions for him? That's Erico. Um, so he's been working on that uh, color fight game, uh, which we've all been ogling over. It's a semi-graphics force so of the yes. absolute low res, but it's got really cool animations for that resolution. So this one here is he's got it a bit more advanced, and it actually has two AIs playing against each other. Oh, wow. Boom, 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 boom. Pow, pow. He's oh. actually got life bars now on the bottom that work. Oh yeah, sound effects. Needs to needs to have a doll every time he <laughs> messes up. The Homer Simpson thing. Now this one here, he's got the block. He's got the walking forward and backwards. He's got the punch. Um, I don't know if this version here has the kicking and stuff. Yeah, he's there was one where I was doing. Before. Yeah, I remember seeing the uh, kind of the flying drop kick. And of course, the cityscape in the background. But I'll let it play until one of the guys falls down. He's actually got three fights against him just to kind of show. Boom. Each yeah. yeah, and just drops to the boom, ground on boom, his side there. Boom. 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 Yeah. Really, really well done animation. Yeah. For this kind absolutely. Of yeah. For this 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 right. mode, I don't think we ever had games with this good of animation I've seen before in the no. entire forty year history of the Coco. I don't think I've seen no. somebody push semi graphics for this this far. I don't even think high-res games had this good of an animation, honestly. So. <laughs> Any resolution. Boom. Yeah, that was one thing. Like, I, I noticed some of the other platforms used to do, like, they'd do, like, eight frames of an animation or something like uh -huh. that. Kind of, I think, based on the Apple II game, uh, Prince of Persia, which kind of first did the really good animation. Yeah. On the Coco ones, we usually had maybe two, three, four frames for a movement, and that was it. I don't know if it was just memory restrictions or laziness. Or yeah, well, Digger 3 has got some pretty good animation in it. Yeah, no, I mean, modern we do now a bit yeah. more. But, I mean, back in the day, I think, you know, rushing, trying to get the game out, yeah. we didn't have that many. Well, yeah, everyone wanted to program sprites, and we didn't have them. So what can you do easy? Uh, yeah. I don't think Coco a lot of guy. people knew how to do the background work to get the, the good animation frames. I mean, that's what uh, um, Jordan Mechner did with uh, Prince of Persia, and there's one before that, Karateka, Karateka. Uh, is he basically filmed his brother doing the motions and then basically rotoscoped them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, movie technique that a lot of people didn't realize that's how you got, you know, individual frames. It was frames pretty innovative for good. a teenager in high school at the time. It, oh, definitely. Yeah, and I think Nick Morenti's had showed us something he was working on, too, where he had some basically digitized scan stuff of fighting people, almost kind of like a Mortal Kombat-looking stuff. Yeah, or yeah the, he was uh, working Coco on 3. a Coco 3 one, actually. Yeah. But here you sort of have double the work because you have to replace your background as you draw your foreground and yeah so you can't do as much as maybe you might otherwise 
Yeah, if you had a plain single color background that you could just keep consistent, then you can actually animate a bit faster, obviously. I'm just or, taking a look here. Uh, Erico mentioned here I was going for, how did you say that? Uh, Karatika. Karatika. And more frames, but as speed seems fast, I'm switching for your Kung Fu style, less animation, more content. Okay. So I'm assuming he's talking about he's not putting all the kick moves and stuff in there. And he says, still, there won't be single frame action moves. The fastest will have two frames. So I guess he's to keep the speed up. He's not doing quite as many okay. frames. But it still looks really good. It does. Absolutely. Great job, Erica. Yep. <laughs> hey, next up, uh, Paul Shoemaker. He's been working on this card thing. And he's actually put a couple videos up. So I'm just going to show the latest one. But he's actually got it interfacing with basic and then also using MMU stuff. So he's got... I think he ends up explaining there's the three face cards, the Jack, Queen, and King, and then the card backs and then a solid card front, and then the rest of it's drawn on with a separate routine, so it doesn't take too much memory. But he's actually got it running pretty pretty quick here uh, for animation here. Is that coming through okay, or is yeah. it pausing again? No, we got it. Facebook's so unpredictable that I just never know. Oh, that's pretty quick. Yeah, they're loading up pretty quick. Yeah. What I really like here is this is the 320 by 225, I think, 16 color mode. But he's done the face cards probably the best I've ever seen in that mode. I've seen a few. Yeah. With much bigger cards that you know, like a Paul Thayer actually. Uh, him and his brother made a quite a few card games for the Coke Three back in the late 2000s. Um, yeah, this looks really good. You can tell what these cards are. There's no mistaking. Yeah. But what they did that? the giant ones because they were doing like Vegas poker, yeah. you know, which is five cards across. Yeah, type yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. And, and these are small, so you can actually, you know, make a lot. Yeah, of you could do like those. a solitaire game here, a free sell or memory game or anything. You get that much real estate. Yeah. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that. In fact, I've asked him if I can get those cards because I was trying to do a card game like decades back in OS nine because you can use get put buffers to do that kind of stuff here, and I I just suck at drawing things, so I was trying to draw cards and I just gave up. But, ah, is this Henry Reitveld's? Put it in his rampage cabinet, huh? Yeah, I was hoping Nick would still be on here. I think he had to leave, though. But uh, this is actually Rally SG that Henry did just bought and installed on his cabinet. So he's actually using real arcade controls here to play Rally SG. It's pretty cool. That's Adam Tandy guy, for those of you on Discord. Yep. Or sent from my phone for the folks on the mailing list. <laughs> And ironically here, like, we've tried displaying these, this, uh, you know, the flickering between the two colors to get the map and stuff. And it actually shows up a little bit better on this video here than I think in the ones we've tried, where actually, you know, the tires are staying fairly constant. The map is actually showing the half color of where the cars are, the uh, gold bars and stuff are. So it, it actually seemed to capture better, too. I'm not sure why, but it gives you a bit of a better idea what it really looks like when you're really playing it. Oh, yeah, that's neat. This is a great game. Yeah. Good job, Henry. Chet Simpson. And this one here, Chet, Chet did two demos of Digger 3, one on Thursday, one on Friday. And I'm not going to turn the audio on because Chet's got rather colorful languages, we all know, and there's a lot of it. <laughs> um, all those colorful metaphors. Now, mind you, we've had a few colorful metaphors on here, too, this episode, so maybe I should just let it go. I don't know. <laughs> But basically, he mentions in the videos that the final version is going to have 36 levels. He's still tweaking some of the levels. There's one or two levels he wants to get rid of and replace with something else, but he's planning on 36. And there's going to be an easy mode and a hard mode. So his first video he did on Thursday is the easy mode. And the video he did yesterday is actually the hard mode. So I'll play a little bit of it here. 
and actually hopefully we can have Chet on when it's, he's you know pretty well ready to release it to kind of go through some of the design goals and stuff he did there. Now I noticed he's been on Discord chat lately. I haven't had had a chance to participate though. Has he mentioned true. much about this or? Uh, pretty much the things you've been talking about. About does he have a release date kind of in mind yet or? Mm, no. What the heck happened there? He was saying soon though. He's like, uh, I guess he's got some time, so he's doing a push to get it done sooner than later. Yes. Oh, okay. But he didn't hear nothing specific, but it's, it's like a, it's in the final. Like he was working on an issue and that's been fixed. Um, and now oh, would you say twenty twenty ish? No, it's just the levels. Sometime between now and the cure for COVID is when it'll be released. Um, <laughs> I don't know why this keeps stopping the. It's a test pattern. And... Hmm. Facebook weirdness. Yeah, my Facebook sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, how we're playing you, Steve. Tom C wants to know what he missed. Floppy talk. Okay, I hear the music. I better mute that because. <laughs> Sounds like. Nice. Local language will start soon. Okay, here we go. Here's the video. <laughs> and he did different levels on the two, too. So he's he's showing you more than just 10 levels. Um, hard mode. Anyway, the hard mode is hard. It, it looks like a, uh, an exercise in frustration. <laughs> it was frustrating him at times, and he designed the darn thing. Wow, look at all those gold bars, huh? And you're stuck. Yeah, and you're stuck because there's a wall right there. Haha, <laughs> you died. <laughs> anyway, if you don't mind added language, his, his commentary is hilarious in spots. So He's passionate. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the right word, passionate. <laughs> But it looks like an awesome game. I mean, the levels, I, he's got some of the levels we've seen before already tweaked somewhat. And he's got some brand new ones we've never seen before. And he hasn't even shown half of them yet. What is he doing with Homer there? I think he's leading him. You can kind of lead him around. Okay. I'll just fast forward a bit here to maybe some other uh, parts of the different levels here. And the parallax scrolling he's, he's got in the background. He's got some new backgrounds for that, too. He's got some uh, gray rock in the second level behind on some of the later levels. Also, you'll notice he was experimenting with uh, parallax scrolling. There's actually three different speeds. Yeah, and vertical now, too, because the original only did horizontal. Now he's got vertical parallax as well. On the, You can see on the red background there. Wow. Ouch, he just got hit by the spikes, yeah. So that was like yeah. level 12. Speaking of colorful language, this game will inspire a lot of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good game. We'll have you dropping bombs. F-bombs, S-bombs, all F kinds bombs. of bombs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to this one for sure. That's what I was hoping. I mean, maybe he'd mention in, in Discord if... Uh, if he's got a release date kind of getting close or if he's still a little ways oh, off. Oh, it sounds, no, no, it sounds like it's close. I just don't want to speak for him, but it sounds pretty close. Did you want us to give our impression of what we thought without <laughs> putting words in his mouth? <laughs> Actually, if you guys want to just, you know, over talk and match his mime, his uh, speech there, you can make up your own speech here for us. F this, F that. <laughs> <laughs> the asparagus. Oh, you've heard it before, have you? CS. <laughs> Oh, it is the CS's color scripts it, right? 
Right, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there's one level Digger. he added that actually looked really interesting. Let's see if I can find it here. Digger shovel. three is impressive. I mean, the speed and the the motion and all that. It's like yeah, this. Oh one. wow, look at this. It's nothing but ladders. Yeah. Holy crap! Whoa. Now he said one design change he has to do is the gomers, as he calls them. <clears throat> it, like he's got, I think nine on this level like chase you, but because of the ladders and the way they crawl around and follow you, they actually end up overlapping you each other. And he said, that's not fair because you can look like you've only got two or three after you. And then you drop mm. a couple of holes and all of a sudden they split out because they were all over top of each right, other. Right, right, right. So he's right. going to fix it so that they can't overlap. Okay. Mm. Holy crap. Looks like an interesting level. And it's like right on your ass too. So yeah. He also mentioned, he said the 36th level is a real bear's ass. <laughs> it's insanely difficult, he said. So I, I can't even imagine and coming <laughs> from him. Yeah, supposedly easier ones. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm getting hail here. That's interesting. I don't know if you guys can hear that over the mic, but no, no, no that looks really neat. Oh, hail! Yeah, really no. looking forward to this one. We are definitely. We will watch this with great interest. All right. Absolutely. Thank you, Chet. Canadian Next up, uh, Canadian Re retro things. Um, who I was in the chat. I don't know if he still is or not. We're gonna to try to get him on the show at some point. Yeah, you should come on. He actually does a um, an unboxing of Bomb Threat, the new cartridge, <clears throat> and can he goes through an explanation at the beginning, which I won't play here. Watch the video to get the full details, but kind of explaining how buying a new game has changed over the years. Because back then you had the you know waiting for it in the mail and then unboxing it and then you know immediately plugging in the game or loading the disc to play right then and there. And nowadays it's all electronic. You download something once you get the initial game. You have to download 40 gigabytes of patches to it to get it to run and you know how the whole experience has completely changed from what it used to be in the old days he's in the chat still and here just just to drive you nuts he actually does the opening of the box in slow motion <laughs> I'll skip I, know, I like that music that is uh, that's so good this music reminds if I could if we have slow motion video of Nick Morota just shaking out his hair with this music here. Yeah. <laughs> with, with that water spray coming yeah. off like they used to do in the eighties videos. Like, oh. <laughs> now I don't need you guys falling for me. You know, I don't want to be I don't want to you know. Look at that pristine box. <laughs> Look at that. And I think uh, Canadian Retro Things in the chat there, if you want to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're planning on doing an actual gameplay video later, which will be interesting to see too. So <clears throat> anyway, check check the video out for that up on his... Uh, what uh, what country page. is he in, by the way? He's Canada. Oh, okay. Best country in the world? Yeah. Okay. No. Uh, next step, and this is um, from Amigo Aaron. And uh, we demonstrated his CoinOps Coco front end system last week, where it actually has like the video clips and the box artwork and everything else. And he's actually put it up for download now to run on Windows with some other stuff added. Crystal City is actually one of the games added to it. So he's got extra disk support. He has the instant load where you actually have the save state. Like Crystal City, rather than you having to load all the disks to get up to the running point, he actually has a save state where it's just ready to run. So once you click on it, you're just bang, you're ready nice. to play. You don't have to wait for swapping disks and stuff. Nice. So he's temporarily got it up on his Google Drive. If you guys want to get it, the link uh, Mark will put into the uh, chat. Uh, but he's just planning on moving it onto something else, a color computer archive later. So uh, please, he also wants some feedback on testing and, and see if, you know, if there's any suggestions, et cetera, to make things better. Um, like last week, if anybody wants to help with making artwork, 
for some of the games that don't really have logos or something like that so that you can get incorporated later on and save him the time of doing it himself because as he fully admits he's not an artist um for god's sakes jim i'm not an artist uh, (laughs) and this is beta 2 though he had beta 1 earlier in the week and then beta 2 and he's actually got a patch that goes up to it though from looks of the size it's pretty well the same size as the original so just get the new one but uh yeah definitely it's a nice project it's a really well done front end we were complimenting on it last no yeah and uh, feel free to contribute you know in your own way making artwork doing the video clips etc and we'll see if we can get this going as a full-blown arcade experience i'd like to see what henry does if he uses this in his main cabinet to see what it looks like hmm so that brings up up to a cross promotion here. So the Amigos right now have been going since 8 a.m. Eastern, and this is a thing they do annually, and it's called the Amigathon. So it's definitely Amiga centric, um, but they're doing like contests. They've got some special guests from the Amiga world coming in, but it's a it's a charity raising thing, and they've done this for four years in a row now, and they're raising money for the children's hospitals. So here's the little promotion for it. Amiga-thon. And uh, they have done a 24-hour one before, but they got too tired after that, so they've cut it back to 12. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, been going since 8, p- 8 a.m. this morning. It'll be going till 8 p.m. Eastern today. It's just live. You can get in the chat on Twitch, et cetera, to uh, you know, converse with them and then just take donations. And Frodo, if you're still in the chat there, I think we last saw they'd already raised over $4,000, which is actually a record for them. Wow. And do you have do you have the stream open? We can just look at it real quick. I don't, but it's um, just Twitch TV Amigo Retro's Gaming. It's uh, their standard Twitch channel. If, you, okay. if somebody wants to bring it up, well, we're well, looking at your browser tab right now. If you wanted to open it up on a new tab, you could. I can. Try Twitch that. TV. There's also their uh, web page here. Okay, so this is the. Okay, hit hit refresh because maybe you're out of date here because that's yeah. Says I'm 30 sure I'm out of date. I loaded this up this morning, so. Yeah. Uh, Forty-five hundred dollars. Really good. Yeah, and this is the second goal raise. I think they were only trying for, th- if Frodo can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they started this morning with a $3,000 um, goal. And then they bumped it to four. Now they bumped it to five. Oh, so no. they're getting a lot of donations. And actually, they're quite surprised. They were figuring with COVID and every, you know, a lot of people went out of work and stuff that they would get far less donations this year. Yep. So far, they've been doing pretty good. That's great. Good oh. job, guys. Good money for a good cause. Yeah, very cool. As far as Twitch here, let's see if I can. Like to see what they're currently doing right now. Hundred twelve people watching that, so Migos audience. And then, and then go down to the uh, traffic lights and, and set us going. Uh, boat, you might want to hit tab to uh, to get rid of the overlay. Will do. Is that too loud, guys? Uh, yeah, turn it down a little bit just so we can. just wanted to kind of see it. We don't necessarily need to hear it, hear it. But. Thank you. Um, yeah, so they've been going for just about nine hours now. Wow. You look good. How you feel? feel good. Yeah, I feel great. We have not had to buy any new cable modems. Not yet. Okay. So the red car is Paul Kitchen. And I know some of the people right. on our panel, some of the, the co-users have also been users as well. He's rolling very slowly forward, so Nick Maranti's is going to accelerate this couple game hardware on the on this game. We're just dragging Doug's name to the mud here. Come on, Doug. You're driving like my granny. Anyway, I definitely want to cross promote it. It's a good cause. It's by some guys have done some good stuff for the Poker community as well. So if you guys have some money to spare for the. All right, well mute them because I can't hear you, Curtis. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all over the place. Yeah. Okay, so so say that last part again now. 
Well, basically, I just wanted to cross promote the for people that uh, have the the money to spare and want to donate to a good cause that uh, hit their Twitch stream and you can actually or their webpage that Mark would have posted in there and you can actually donate to to the Children's Foundation Hospital uh, group. So it's a good cause and and like I said, they've done some good stuff for the Coco community too with the Coco Show, which is unfortunate because the boat's job is kind of on a hiatus. They do have the uh, the Coco uh, Pie still on their spin wheel, so it may come up in the ARG Sunday Show. Uh, Amigo Retro presents. So there's still some chance of some Cocoa stuff coming on. And I know Boat and, and Aaron both, you know, participated in the Crystal City this this week too. So they're still participating on the Cocoa games too. And hopefully once Boat's job is kind of steady and his training is all done, hopefully they can bring some of these shows back. So Cool. Whatever they're playing looks really neat, that driving game. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm, like... I don't have an Amiga, so I don't, I, I've, you know, I've seen here? some of these games before, but I don't know which one it is. It looks like a Super NES game anyways. I... No, it looks cool. Neat. Yeah. Good job, guys. And Lotus Turbo Challenge. Lotus Turbo Challenge, okay. All right, we've been joined by Brian Weasler. How you doing there, Brian? Hello. How are you guys doing today? Good, good, good. Um, Curtis, you mentioned you have, like, what, 11 news articles? Yep. All right, and how long have we been going right now? We are going on almost three hours. Why don't we do this? Why don't we skip news this week and we're going to go to project updates and acquisitions because I think there's a handful of people who have a handful of things to show. We're already at a three-hour show. And so... Um, there's just too much good floppy talk going yeah, on. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> just And so we'll just we'll roll that news over into next week. So uh, we're going to take a commercial break and then we'll come back with project updates and acquisitions. I know David O'Connor has something to show. Brian Weasel, you probably have something to show, right? You're muted. Yes. Okay. I got one thing I can show. Uh, Mikey, did you have anything to show? We've already we started off by looking in your closet, Mikey. Um, I'm not sure. Does anybody else have anything they wanted to show off? I know we're gonna look at David O'Connor's Coco. Anyone? Um, Brian Shoebring's raising his hand, so Brian's got something to show. Uh, so we got two or three people with a few things to show. So we'll be back after these words. We're gonna take a commercial break. And we're going to do our public service announcement commercial break. So we'll be back after these. Oh, Mikey says we can do another closet view. Woo! More closet after these words. Hi, this is Eddie Zerbinski from beautiful Quebec City. Vous écoutez Coco Talk. As you're enjoying Coco Talk, we also want to remind you about the Coco Discord server. This is a place where people come to connect, to ask questions, to provide answers, to share information, and to socialize. So when you're done, why don't you head on over to the Coco Discord server and we'll continue the conversation there. The easy to remember link is discord.cocotalk.live. See you on Discord! Coco123 is the Glenside Color Computer Club community newsletter that's been in publication since 1985. While the Rainbow Magazine may be gone, it doesn't mean you still can't have a cool Coco periodical. Head on over to the Glenside Color Computer website at glensideccc.com and then click on the Documents link to view all the past issues of the Coco123 newsletter. Not only can you read all of the past and present issues, we'd also love to hear some submissions from you. So if you'd like to send an article, a column, uh, something to talk about, maybe even a program listing, send an email to glensideccc at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. 
the Coco World Map is a cool community resource where you can view coconuts from around the world. Head on over to map.cocotalk.live and see where your fellow coconutians happen to be living on the planet Earth. If you would like to submit yourself to be on the Coco Map, send an email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live and we look forward to seeing you on the Coco Map. Hey guys, it's Stevie Stroh, and if you've been watching Coco Talk for a while, hopefully you understand that everyone is welcome to join this show. You don't need an impressive resume to get on. You just need to enjoy the Coco and be willing to talk about it. There is no wrong way to Coco. There is no wrong way to be a fan of the Coco. There's no wrong way to be on Coco Talk. You just have to want to talk Coco. So if you would like to join us, then reach out to us on our Discord server, which is discord.cocotalk.live, or send an email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live, and let's get you on the show, and let's talk about the Coco. Hi, I'm Tim, and you're watching Coco Talk Live. And I'm playing Daggereth online like that idiot from the book. Right, can you can you dial back on the condescension there as you respond there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, will the fun ever start is the question that we need to ask everyone. So it's time for everyone's favorite part of the show, everybody. We're Coco talking. Coco Closet. It's Coco Closet, everybody. So look at this. Look at this. There. Old fashioned model and Coco One with lots of paint missing. And the keyboard is Just send it over to the 8 bit guy. He'll, he'll touch it up for you. 4K Coco One. What was that, Jason? The 8 bit guy can touch that up for you. I saw the video. Uh, like right. Mercedes Silver. Uh, this. Oh, yes, sir. Wait a minute. There's one that's missing. Where is it? Oh, here. The co the older Coco too, with the melted keyboard, which I repaired a couple months ago. And then we have a Coco 2B with the Coco VGA, and we have a Coco 3 here, and uh, these are both 86 gimme, but. Um, I think this was Little John's development system. This was the one that came with the, the smoke smell that's pretty much gone. I can use it. And then uh, this Coco 3, I think I got uh, like two years ago. Um, somebody had it for, um, you know, they had like a mini auction. It was like some guy named Bill, I think. So I picked this one up. And then, uh, so that's all, the, that's all the Coco stuff. But again, this is my- No MC10? This is a very rare ZX80 because not only were there not you know not very many here in the United States, this one happens to be NPSC video, and I really don't think there are very many of these. Mm. I can't Channel thirty six. Up to this guy, I think this is uh, maybe like ten or twenty bucks. I couldn't imagine paying more than that. So um, yeah, it sounds like the toilet flush works. Well, and <laughs> you know, yeah. Coco Closet. Nice. Is your Sinclair UHF or VHF? Is it uh, channel 36 or 3? Channel 2 and 3. I think it's switchable. Easy socket. Uh, it very clearly here says uh, made in England, but it's FCC and uh, it says, uh, and somewhere I thought it said NTSC on it. 
Fight at risk. Yeah, yeah. The the difference is the uh, UHF Sinclairs were rock stable, beautiful video, and the Channel Three Four Sinclairs and Slash Time Xs were an abomination on the world that should have never yeah. been sold. Uh, that's the room. Things are changing here. This is going to be the audio wall, and so these uh, a lot of the gray boxes while you guys were busy busy doing gaming. I have been busy moving stuff downstairs to storage. But uh, still a tornado in here. We'll get it straightened out. So what's yeah. Scope do? What what what's your scope down there? So oscilloscope. <laughs> it's a um, it's a uh, 465B. Oh, nice. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, needs a little bit of a uh, little bit of work, but. Uh, Tektronics from Oregon. Yeah. 465 is a really cool model. It has some spare parts for it, so I should be able to fix it up. Oh, yeah. Nice. And I want to set I want to set up the Coco Three FPGA over there with um, uh, running uh, EOU on it at twenty five megahertz. That's that's pretty nice. So, yeah. Does that mean I can that's stop optimizing? That's my new setup. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Cool. Very nice. Now, I'm a fan. Guys, down. One, you know, take one down and set it up on on the other table there and. You know, play with it, and it has a spot to go back. I just need a place for the things to go. Yep. So, I'm running you know, into that if problem. It has, if it has a spot, then I'm, I, I will be more, you know, a little bit more interested to, uh, to put it back. Oh, here's Model 100. It's in the case there. You'll go far, Fletcher. You'll go <laughs> far. That's it from Local Closet. Back yeah. to you, Stevie. All right, well, it's time for everyone's favorite part of the show, Project Updates and Acquisitions. Uh, Depends on who you are. David O'Connor, the Thunder from Down Under. Um, Why don't you tell us what you got over your shoulder there? Well, for all intents and purposes, it looks like a uh, Model 4, but it's color. Yes, What's Calor. It's a Calor <laughs> Model it's 4. OSDC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for those who have been uh, following my uh, um, my reports on this project, it's uh, my uh, one of my Coco 3s that I've been grafting into a uh, Model 4 case, and I've finally got it up and running. Um, there's still some work to do on it. It isn't finished yet, but it is working. Um, and in one of the earlier episodes, I mentioned that I was I bought an LCD monitor for it, and I was going to take out the old CRT bezel and and uh, mount the, the monitor directly to the to the front of the white part of the case. Um, but the bezel was just a little bit too large, and it didn't quite sit centered. It was sort of a bit offset this way. And I thought, mm, okay. So I ended up I, I took the, the monitor apart um, and pulled out the LCD panel and just had a look at it and did some measurements. And it turns out it was exactly the same size as the mounts on the inside of the CRT bezel um, to the nearest millimeter. Um, so all I had to do was trim off a couple of uh, plastic supports that um, that were getting in the way. And for that, I used this fantastic tool. Everybody should have one of these. Yeah. You can cut through anything with one of these. I use that to um, get my nose hairs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, can we get a closer can we get a closer up look of it? It looks really cool. Yeah, I've got some photos here that I actually took 
um, earlier on. Actually, you know, my camera's on a, I've got it on a, a tripod at the moment, so it's a bit hard okay. to move it around. But, uh, but I, I'll just go screen share. Here. Now, I how are you connecting to that screen? Is it composite to that screen or are you doing RGB? At the moment, it's composite. Um, I will be doing a mod where I'm going to run it um, uh, um, from RGB into VGA because the monitor has a VGA input as well, okay. obviously. Okay. Um, and then eventually I'm going to get a Gimme X. So then I'll be running that straight into the VGA. VGA. I mean, um, look from here, it yeah, looks good. The colors look good. and It's uh, because it's a PAL Coco 3. Um, oh, so it composite's the... already RGB. Yeah, exactly. It gets a okay. composite signal from the RGB instead of from the gimme. So it's a much cleaner signal. Absolutely. And that monitor is actually really good on, on with a composite signal. It's really yeah. clean. Yeah, from, yeah, it looks good. Um, and we're running uh, Nick Morenti's new Rally SG demo um, on here at the moment. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll just, uh, if I can screen share my... Go ahead. Oh, I've, yeah. Hang on, let me try that again now. No, I've got. Uh, you cannot start screen share while the other participants. Someone, someone else must be still. Screen so, well, I mean, I am, but I had it set up where we could multiple screen shares can share simultaneously. I have that checked, but I'll stop sharing anyway. So go ahead. Alright, oh, yeah, now it's working. All right, let me go to screen. All right. Yep. You're sideways. Good. Now you just turned it. Yep. It'll, it'll fix itself up in a minute. Hmm. Um, just in here, I'll just go back to the start of them. This is, yeah, this here is where I... Uh, oh, yeah, there's the screen with the bezel. Yeah, I've pulled it out. And, and it had this ugly silver surround on it, so I basically cut, put some masking tape on it and painted it black um, so it all looks nice. I see um, a masking tape. I want to paint it black. That's so. the one. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, there's a, a rear shot down the bottom is the, the actual panel itself um, having been removed. And up the top is the back part with all the, the, the uh, input circuitry and everything. Um, that there is the panel mounted to the actual bezel. Um, yeah. So it looks like... It flashes it, it, up pretty it, it, good. It, yeah, it, it gives it a bit... It, it keeps that the old school look. Yeah. You know, I really like yeah. The, the, the bezel. Old yeah, the look. bezel sells it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's... Um, mounted inside, you can see there that the if I can zoom up on there. You can see that the panel actually fits perfectly of, uh, on, um, in the base of it. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah the old mount. So that worked out really well. Um, then I've just closed it up there. That's the back closed up, and I've uh, mounted that. Um, this here, the, the spot that I've mounted the. Uh, hang on, let me see if I can get. Yeah, this shot here. You can see here. I've, I've mounted. I ended up mounting the motherboard sideways because ah, I couldn't. Ah, look it. at that! Look at that! I was yeah, wondering how I, you did that. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't fit the cartridges in if I mounted it the other way around. Um, right. The Coco right. SD, the Coco SDC would fit, but the longer ones, were like the speech cartridge and um, um, yeah. the the uh, Orchestra CC, wouldn't fit. Um, and the other advantage with doing it this way was the the, the cartridge actually sits next to the keyboard, um, so you can pull them out and plug them in and everything, and it, 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 it's and it leaves the, the the five and a quarter inch floppy drive base free that I can use for custom panels. Um, so here, what I had to do there, you'll see it just in here if I zoom in. I had to make a keyboard extender because the Mylar wouldn't reach to the motherboard with it like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so I unsoldered the the socket from the motherboard and then just soldered some ribbon cable onto it between that. Oh, Neo, not now. Neo, yeah, turning, yeah. <laughs> So here you can see that's where I've actually, um, of course, 
That's where you desoldered the keyboard socket, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I used the proper desoldering tool, which is sitting behind me, so you can see that I've done it nice and cleanly without any lifted tracks or anything like that. Yeah, beautiful. Um, yeah, so uh, having the right tools makes all the difference. Um, there it is running the, uh, there's the, the Coco SD. Yeah, that is so cool. Like right where the numeric keypad would be at. So convenient. This is pop in your SD card right there. Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to make a cover, um, to go over that. To well, cover you, the... it's, it's possible that you might be, I don't know if you tried it, but could you get the mega mini MPI or a mini MPI to fit in that space where you could get a couple of cartridges in there? It's a little bit, I, I tried it with the mega mini, but the mega mini sits up too high and, oh, okay. um, it, it raises the whole thing too high to actually fit in. So unfortunately, I can't. But uh, I bet you could I've, use a little extender, like a ribbon cable or whatever, and just extend. Yeah, a Y little. cable or something sort. Yeah, and push it out. Just, yeah, you know. yeah, probably could. I'd have to. Have, yeah, the, the 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 mini MPI with, with the two slot one would definitely fit. I could yeah. probably do something like that. That'd be kind of um, cool. As you can see there, that's that's the composite on the yeah, screen. Yeah, that looks pretty looks good. Like, yeah, it's for composite signal. It's really it's really quite sharp. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. That's matrix. The good thing with that is it's the the eighty width mode, yeah, which, yeah, not bad. which usually, you know, usually composite, you know, makes a, a dog's breakfast of it. But it looks pretty good here. Um, Absolutely. Nice and clean. What what is included in a dog's breakfast? Are we talking about bacon, eggs, toast? Depends on the dog. That's the animation that I usually run in the background. I'm, yeah, uh, I'm not running it this week, so yeah. Yeah, um, that looks really Frogger. nice. Frogger. That's another shot that I took. With, just a, a, a zoom back a little bit. So, yeah, as you can see there, I still haven't put anything in the five and a quarter bays. Yeah. But what I'm thinking of putting in there um, is um, IO ports, joystick ports, serial port, cassette port. Ah, um, bring all your port, port expenders, extenders, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a couple of custom ports for, for linking it to my uh, modular synthesizers um, and also controls for the for the monitor. Um, the monitor is actually controllable. I've actually got a remote control for it as well. Okay. So I can remote control all, all, everything on the monitor. So I just you know, know how to... I've hung an MPI off of three inches of ribbon cable before and it worked just fine for multiple examples, which would really let you just plug two cartridges into that bottom floppy port there yeah i thought of that i thought of that but i kind of prefer the idea of having the cartridge down here um yeah that's that's an unlikely place for it yeah and it also gives me uh, then i've got you know right because it's not you just you you got a big gaping hole next to your keyboard and what the hell are you going to do with that space so at least you're taking advantage of that space right there yeah yeah Yeah, i was thinking about putting in a numeric keyboard but i thought ah do i really need one you know so uh um, and the, uh, right here, that's my desoldering tool. So uh, it's a, a nice, professional, proper. That's you know, right handy. Yeah, yeah. That looks um, really nice, so, David. Yeah, what's what's so the second half of that? The second half. Uh, oh, here, that's the soldering iron. Oh, you have a soldering iron to match your desoldering iron. Okay. Yeah, it's all in nice. one unit. It's, there's two separate um, sides. Oh, okay. So I have yeah, the yeah. right half of yours with the desolder pump in the right half and not the left half. So I was oh, confused. Yeah, well, it, it just it came as a desolderer without the soldering iron half. 
But it's it exactly the same. <laughs> Nimble says that those drive bays would make nice spare paper roll holder shelves for a TP10 <laughs> printer. <laughs> <laughs> if you ran Nitrous 9, uh, the where your SDC is now would be a great place for a trackpad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah, trackpad. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. A koala pad. You can squeeze a koala pad in there, maybe. I don't know. So The Waco trackball. Trackball. Yes. Yeah, track oh. Wow. I used the Logitech trackball with Nitrous 9 for years on my TZ9. Yeah, so, so you got, yeah, you got options. Uh, and the keyboard fitted in there perfectly, too. It's, mm. I've, still got to mount, I've still got to properly mount the other. The, the right-hand side, it's a little loose, but it's... it's, it's screws aren't in or anything yet so because i'm still working on it but uh but yeah the coco 3 keyboard actually fits in perfectly so uh it all ended up being come together quite nicely so far that so, is yeah, super uh, cool yeah so uh, i've always loved the look of the of the model 4 so i just uh, you know yeah i love coco 3 the cocos so uh, yeah I, 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 I always wished they had a released a coco in the design of the model 4 case well, the Coco 4 prototype was kind of a little bit there with the built-in floppy drive, you know, so it was a step in that direction. Um, I like the case. I, you know, I actually like the white Model 4 versus the silver Model 3, too. I mean, it just, I like that look. I don't yeah, know. I don't have room for one. So as much as I would love to have one or have a case to do something like a repack, I, they just take up so much room. Like even now, my Tandy 1000, my original Tandy 1000A, it's just so so bulky. It takes up so much room. I don't have a lot of room for these systems. I'm reaching critical mass, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. when we had that discussion, oh, the- uh, like hardware versus emulators, one of the downsides of real hardware is it takes up a lot of freaking space. When I go to show you, you know, what I got behind me, I got four giant freaking bins full of crap so, of, that I just acquired. So uh, yeah. real hardware takes up space, man. <laughs> and one other thing, one other thing I forgot to mention about. too is the speakers in in this uh, in this monitor are pretty good. So if I just turn ah. the volume up here, yeah. ah, speakers too. You're cruel. Speakers <laughs> in the monitor. Yeah. Well, who'd have thunk it? I actually, actually, I'll uh, I'll just load up. I'll load up Frogger because it's got better. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about the Cocoa. It's not just the space it takes. It's not one thing. It's 18 different things that have to be plugged together yeah. correctly and maintained that way. Otherwise, you might explode something. Which... <laughs> you said that like it's oh, a bad just... thing, man. <laughs> you also said like you have some experience in the matter. <laughs> oh, I've exploded many. I mean, I could do the Dave Lab thing, but I'm going to restraining uh, myself. Oh, I really like breaking things. So, yeah, well, how long before the kids move out? Yeah, right. And I've got a remote control there, so I can uh, mute the sound, or I can uh, bring up picture menus and everything. And nice. Things, so. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm I'm pretty happy with how it's coming up. Now you need to in, incorporate that Coco IR project that let the Coco read infrared as well, and then you can go crazy. Control it was the an old rainbow. Yeah, yeah. You could you could hook up an old IR receiver to your cassette port and do all kinds of fancy things. That is you can a, do an IR keyboard and stuff too. Yeah, you? that is a catchy tune, but that's no Crystal City. Crystal Highway. Oh wow, that's cool, David. That's a really cool project. 
Good on you, mate. Good on you, mate. Um, who else had something to show and tell? Uh, uh, Brian Schubring. Brian, the music man, Schubring. You are muted right now, Brian. That is a giant PCB, by the way. That is huge. <laughs> it's huge. I recognize that. Uh, I know what that is. <laughs> okay, I'm still here. I just had to uh, something up a little bit. Can you all hear me all right? We can hear you, yes. All right, so, that's okay. good. <laughs> Is that the thing that David O'Connor has that turns? Yep, that's what it looks like. Yep, I picked one up myself and uh, play with it. So having the computer audio coming out into the unit here. Where are those notes coming from? My synthesizers. Okay. So I, my idea is I wrote a real quick program that took most of the scales one through twelve. Yeah. Yeah, can you bring your microphone up a little bit, Ryan? Your, your, your voice level's really low. Out. Yeah. Yep. Is that a little bit better? That's much better, yeah. All right, yeah. Uh, yeah, my mic wasn't too high. Could that still be a little, be a little better. bit better. That's uh, much okay. better. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. Yeah, um, Yeah. no, this is just one one uh, my main acquisition. And the other thing I'm doing is uh, rebuilding my uh, tape um recorder so that i can actually uh, get the tape programs off of uh, some tapes and that and my one is too finicky for some of the tapes so i have to rebuild the uh my cassette player and i've got actually two of them i bought some extra belts for that and i'm thinking about doing a uh a video a how quick how to video quick teardown and belt replacement of the uh, CCR82. Oh, neat. So that's, so that's, what I'm, uh, that's what I got going on right now. So back to the... That's a catchy yeah. tune, Brian. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> have, have you experimented with the onboard synth on it yet, Brian? Oh, you mean talking this? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. deaf if I hear this any longer. <laughs> Is that a little bit better? Yeah, can you turn it down on? Oh, I'm sorry. 
yeah, the synth, the, the synth is really, really loud and your voice is really quiet. Well, we can do that for a minute. I just muted you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was going freaking deaf. All right, I muted you, Brian, until you can stop the insanity because... Uh, I, I think you, I think you need to unmute yourself now because I can't now when I try to unmute you it says ask to unmute so I can't uh, I can't um, I can't unmute you but I muted you you need to unmute yourself. Oh, there we go. Okay, I'm back. All right, so, yeah, that was getting really really loud. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize uh, that it was was uh, getting that loud onto your feed. Sorry about that. That's all right. Neat, very cool. All right. Who else had a project update and acquisition? Is Brian Weasler still here? Did we lose him? Where did Brian Weasler go? Brian Weasler dropped off. Who else? Anyone else have any updates, acquisitions? Anyone, anyone, anyone? Bueller. Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. I was going to save mine for last because I've got a doozy. But uh, I want to give everybody a chance. Anyone, anyone? No? Going once? Beat Coco Closet. All right, I, I don't know. Coco Closet is going to be hard to beat. So, all right. Um, I, I'm I'm going to just let me. I guess I have to do it. Well, Coco Bathroom would that beat Coco Closet? Do what she said. Make it bigger here. Um, so number one behind me here. These four bins are the um recent uh, game consoles that I acquired on Father's Day. I got four complete retro game consoles with accessories and cartridges and all kinds of stuff so it's an nes a super nintendo nintendo 64 and a sega genesis with sega cd uh, i'm still troubleshooting some of them with power adapters or other things but i'm slowly getting all those systems to life so those are now just kind of sorted in bins um over here this is a little rack that i just put together today that's got a bottom shelf that can i've got that spaced out where i can tuck my tandy 1000 under there and other things and then in the middle is my brand new commodore monitor that is a 1084s so that is a color composite monitor that i think also has um, uh, analog rgb input and that's just a dell vga monitor but that dell vga monitor also has composite and s video and stuff like that so this is a little stand here that i'll be able to test and connect a variety of retro systems very quickly and easily um putting a cocoa even a cocoa, right? Because it's color composite, right? So I can even do my well. The uh, the RGB analog on that works. Oh yeah, yeah, well. yeah, 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 yeah. And better quality than the CMA. Right. So what I'm going to show you now, though, this is my pickup just from the other day, is what's in the box, bitch, right? So we got a whole big old box of stuff here. I haven't even seen all of what's in this box. So we're going to look at this all live and on the air. So this is going to be a um, unboxing of my latest system, but I will tell you this: it is the winning retro system for for those of you who know. I've said this for years: the Commodore 64 is an amazing machine. It's an incredible machine. It's fantastic. So, um, is that Universal Remote uh, mute button working? <laughs> so one of the things that we'll see here is look at this. Dust cover. We have a dust cover. This is this is genuine. Um, Genuine, I uh, believe they call this uh, Naga hide, right? And <laughs> I can't tell you how many Nagas they had to hide to get this here, but that's, uh, we got that. We got, I got another one of these. I got another one. This one's got a little bit of a stain on it, but I got a couple of those. Okay. Um, that looks like disk drive, 1541 uh, Okay. Drive. Spare keyboard, I guess. 
Is that a? I don't know what the hell to do yeah, with that. Yeah, that's actually that's actually from the uh, sixty four uh, C sixty four C, which is the C, second yeah. model. Is, will it fit in the other one? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know the outside case it's design it. is different, but the ah. keyboard might be identical. All right, so here's a manual for C sixty four C. Yep. C, yep. Okay. That's the one that has the design case, like the one twenty eight versus original bread box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Commodore fifteen forty one disk drive manual. Manual. Right. Yep. Does it come with those hourglass timers to time your loads? Yeah. In, in eighteen oh two user's guide, <laughs> but I think I've got a different monitor. Yeah, that's the one twenty eight monitor, not the Amiga monitor. Fifteen forty one C user's guide. Yep. That's the one that matches the color of the new, newer six boards. Commodore 64, user's guide. User's guide, yep. Original case. Uh, I got some cartridges here. Okay. Grid Runner. Oh, yep, Hexware. Clowns. Le Mans. <laughs> balloons? Are there balloons? Uh, there's clowns. I don't know about balloons. Uh, it's looking like a plethora of cables. This is looking like a DIN to video uh, cable of some form. Wow. a seven pin in or something to a couple RCAs. Yeah, so we got the RCAs here. We got yeah. a couple of dins here. Here a din, there yeah. a din. Uh, here a din, din. Uh, more cartridges. Okay, this is a uh, Kickman. The din of Commodore. Oh, this is the visible solar system. We can't show you the invisible solar system, but we will show you the visible one. What was the planet? Seawolf. Is this the one that had uh, Ernest Borgnine in it? Ernest Borgnine, or no, is that something else? That was Airwolf. Seawolf, I think, is <laughs> definitely a Commodore years. classic. Okay. I have Omega Race. Um, and Omega Race, yeah. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Say what you will about the Commodore. It's, it's great. Speed game. Bingo Math. So, I should put that up against uh, the new Math Tutor. Yeah. We got Radar Race. Radar, radar, rat radar, race. radar, rat rat race. race. Oh man, that was. I've got the theme song from that recorded off a of C64 and a cassette here. I love the theme song from that. The audio. All right, it's I don't know really what the good. hell this is. This is a din to din cable, so some something needs to get din. It's probably for your disk drive. Okay. Is it six? If it's six, it's for the disk drive. Uh, it is. So it's like five around the outside, one in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's a din to din. Yep. Yep. That's hooked your drive to your computer. Okay. Here's another din to din. Probably the same. Yeah. yeah. The Commodore stuff daisy change. You go one drive okay. to the drive to the printer. There's another din to din. Yep. A short one. Now you're two drives. really, really slow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Here's a big ass power brick for something. That's the Commodore power yep. brick. Is that yep. for the computer itself? Yep. yep. Oh, holy yeah. crap. Re replace it. They're notorious for blowing up and blowing your Commodores up. Really? <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's a linear uh, supply that can turn into a non-linear supply quite quickly. The worst no, thing is the, the five volt DC fails and becomes six, and then it fries your RAM. Okay, so here's another yep, din, video. din to yep. uh, that. Yeah, it's your audio video. Yeah, right, so, I believe there are, uh, I believe there are aftermarket uh, pairs of box. Nice. Yeah. There we go. At least yours not yep. yours isn't cracked so like mine. Yep. It's in or pretty good condition. That's yeah, looking good. Nice. Okay, yeah. so is it, where did the cartridges go in the back here, or in the side? Where do the yep. hell the cartridges go? In the back, going? the right the the big one on uh, near near the power switch, the uh, right side over here. Yeah, yeah that one. Okay, okay, and so I'd imagine one of these DIN outputs is how you get your video, right? Yeah. 
okay. yeah. And then what are these edge connectors back here for in the back? There's a user port, and the one in the middle is a cassette port. There's a special cassette tape unit that goes okay. with it. Unless you buy a third-party product from CardCo that lets you use a regular tape player. Okay. Oh, oh, my God. Holy crap. Okay. I got this. What is this? This is a Vic 1525 graphic printer. This is not the one Jim Brain was talking about, was it? I don't think so, but might be. Okay. That's a beast. What a What a damn that thing makes. Hey, wow. My ears are wow. burning. My ears are covered from the previous We thing. can stop. That's really <laughs> Uh, Jim Brain says that the uh, the content of this show has improved greatly. Okay, 1541. Oh. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Single-sided floppy drive. Yep. Okay. This is 73K. This thing is freaking heavy, dude, for a floppy drive? Holy crap. Yeah. It's, it's a standalone computer. Yeah? It's, it's got, got a, a 6502 in it. In the back. It's got a 6502 in it. Ooh, 6502. And a serial cable connecting that standalone computer to your Commodore. What is this? be a floppy. It's a 1578. The important question is, Stevie, are you keeping up with the Commodore? Because the Commodore is keeping up with you. Okay, here is a holy. Man, what the hell is that? Brian Shubring. Sorry, Brian. I had to mute you, Brian. That, that music is not good Commodore or company music. Okay, is this for one of the floppy? Oh, this is for a C128 uh, power supply. That's for the 128, yeah. Like, which I don't have. But you have the power supply. A death brick. Cool. Okay. He has the power. Here's a big those, black, those big black power. That's for the C64. That's for the old six, Commodore 64. Okay. The, the beige one. Like all those ones were black. All the newer ones were white. Okay. So do I need to use one of those for the floppy drive, maybe? No. Nope. Floppy, floppy drive has in, a huge iron transformer in the back. AC doesn't. It? Okay. Yeah. I got yeah. two C64C well, user inter introductory guys. Yeah, the, the 1541, 1571, they have a built-in power supply, and you just plug 120 volts in. Oh, wow, look at this. Commodore joystick model 1311 in the box. The big question, Stevie, is how much did they pay you to take all this? Yeah, it was, it was actually, it was all free. All right, so this, oh, is wow. a, this is like an Atari joystick, single-button Atari-style joystick, huh? Commodore, Commodore joysticks are all switches like the Ataris. Okay. So I got that. And it looks like it even has the same uh, nine pin connection like the Atari, huh? Exactly. Yep. This is what I have for my Commodore stuff. Okay. Oh, what are these paddles? I didn't know they made Commodore paddles. Yep. Yep, they do. Okay, well, so these are actually VIC 20 paddles. Will they still work? <laughs> 64. Oh, it says 64. 64 on the top. 64 VIC 20 paddles. Okay. It'll work. The, uh, the uh, VIC, or sorry, the SID chip that does the sound also handles the paddles, which mm. is kind of interesting. Oh, does it really? Yeah. yeah. So I got two joysticks and two paddles. Excellent. And uh, all, all kinds of uh, DIN cables. And so and so it's yep. a Commodore 64 with a floppy drive, apparently a printer, bunch of cartridges, 
the color monitor, which is the holy grail for me, that 1084 monitor. I haven't tried it yet, but it looks really nice. Um, and now in my garage, I have this wooden double wide peach crate filled with Commodore floppies. I mean, this thing is like four foot long, two floppies wide, like packed. So I've got oh, yeah. a ton of floppies that came with this. So this, this came from a guy in our uh, Florida retro club. Uh, we had a virtual meeting Saturday night, not long after our Cocoa Talk show. So it was like around 7 p.m. Saturday we had a meeting. And there was a guy, I think he's in Jacksonville. And he has a collection that some of it's his, some of it he inherited from a friend of his who passed away. And then um, and the, the guy who has all this stuff, he's like, man, I'm losing my eyesight and I can't see. I can't enjoy this. I want to find homes for it all. And so uh, some other guys from our group who live down south they drove through through the country and so they were going to pass this guy anyway so they picked it up matter of fact talking about floppies eight and a half inch floppies so the guy uh he went to virginia to meet somebody who was going to repair an eight inch floppy he had and it was cheaper he was saying to drive this to them than to pay for the shipping to have this floppy drive shipped properly so he drove to virginia to get an eight inch floppy f repaired for a vintage system and so, uh, you know, when he's leaving Florida and coming back in Florida, we, he, he got basically the entire collection from this guy who just wanted to find homes for everything that for people who weren't going to flip them. So I basically inherited an entire C64 system now that I picked up uh, Friday at lunchtime. And, and I've now just seen it for the first time. So that's my uh, big acquisition <laughs> this week. Um, and so... Nick um so that's going to be following up with the announcement that this will be the last coco talk because the show is now switching to c64 <laughs> talk and um oh, i'll see all you Eddie. yeah i'll see you losers Go later get out of here losers next, right, so. next thing you know he'll be watching <laughs> next week's game on challenge will be jump man <laughs> <laughs> next thing you know he'll be watching uh adrian black and jan bita oh jan Nick, bita put, Nico, put the last ninja on your list there. Of, uh, <laughs> uh, no, I like Rick. I don't want to piss him off. It was uh, nice knowing you, Stevie. Yeah, right, right, right. So, yeah, I have no idea what to do with that system. I'm, obviously, I'm going to check it out. Uh, the cartridges will hopefully be easy to turn on and, and check out. I don't know about the floppy part, but we'll figure that out. Just, just don't insert it when the computer's on. Oh, and also make mm -hmm. sure your uh, make sure your joysticks are plugged in before you you turn it on. Don't plug and unplug them. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Things... And uh, also, I uh, remember hearing recently. I was watching. I can't remember if it was Adrian Black or Jan Bita was talking about the keyboards are all interchangeable between the Vic Twenty and all the Commodore sixty four flavors. Hmm. The one twenty eight, the plus four, and all the other ones. Interesting. They all have basically have the same exact keyboard. Not, not the same exact, but they're Man. all interchangeable. So they're so all. I'm going to have to let them know that I have the C128 power supply because I think the C128 was in the was in the stuff and that's going to somebody else. So I might have a power supply that one of the other guys is going to need. So uh, anyways, so that, yeah, that was kind of neat. I'm, I'm really looking forward to checking out that color composite monitor because I, I've recently had my MC10 composite modded. I've got my Apple IIc that I haven't messed with that I can plug into composite. You know, I've got all these 8-bit um, and 16-bit game consoles that all support composite. So that little rack I set up with that little monitor now, that monitor is going to, you know, because it's a CRT too, you know, we'll be able to 
I'll be able to plug all kinds of stuff into that screen and get some good mileage out of that, you know? So. Nice. Uh, yeah. How are we doing on time? We're have some fun with that. three hours and 35 minutes. How much news do you have, Curtis? You think it's 15 minutes worth of news? No, it's longer than 15. We'll wait till next week. Okay. Wasn't sure if we want to maybe squeeze in some news in the tail end. Oh, got I a quick have the second acquisition enough. I could throw in. It's not really Coco related, but it is kind of well, neither Radio was, Shack related. Neither was my Commodore. So. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, John Lowry? Pretty good. Coming to you from the new house. Ah. And, uh Give me one second to grab it. It's right over here, All right. and I'll be right back. Hey, Mike, why don't you go back in the closet for a minute? We'll see. <laughs> okay, I'll do uh, that back up. Today, live from Mikey's closet. You have an impressive, impressively organized and arranged collection there, Mikey. I'm quite jealous of that. So. Mm-hmm. I'm just jealous of the organization part of it because right. I can never do that. Okay, well, he's back. John Lowry's back. Freddie, who okay, here is all... Who here has all seen the movie Apollo 13? Raise your hand. Heard of it. I'm sure. Absolutely. Every yeah. every hand is going to go up. And uh, you remember in the movie when uh, problem. <laughs> remember when uh, Marilyn uh, Lovell was complaining to NASA about wanting to know what was going on? So they put a, a little speaker in her bedroom that had a uh, – she could basically listen to the mission audio 24 hours a day, seven days a week during the whole yep. process. Um, well, if you remember the movie – it looked very similar to this here. Ah. Oh, wow. That's nice. And uh, this is actually a, a Radio Shack realistic SP-150 communication speaker that they used to sell with one of their ham radios. And if you look at the prop in the movie, they basically took a piece of aluminum tape to hide the realistic logo. <laughs> and, <laughs> over the and uh, printed out a... Uh, uh, a meatball logo on a, on a white square piece of cardboard. They printed out a meatball logo and stuck it on there, which I plan to do. And also, I would like to um, put an MP3 player inside of it and load all the Apollo 13 mission audio. And like, oh, that's cool. Put a button on the back or something. Yeah, like a button on the cool. back, and it'll play the Apollo 13 mission audio through it. Oh, that's that's an awesome idea. I'll have a, nope. a, a video when I do that mod. Cool. <laughs> I had that speaker back in my CB days, and I never made the connection with Apollo 13 until just now. Yeah, yeah. I'd same here. Somebody <laughs> I had posted, that speaker. <laughs> somebody posted one, and I'm like, boy, that looks familiar. And then somebody pointed out where it came from. And, uh, it's called a squawk box. Squawk box, exactly. And uh, mm-hmm. Fran from Fran Lab actually did the same, what I'm going to do with it. She, did, she didn't do the thing with the uh, with the mp3 player but she made it you know look like the movie prop which is what i plan to do too so it's pretty cool little something 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 i picked up uh that somebody posted in the uh radio shack forum the all things radio shack i don't know who all here is part of that yep yep Yep. so when i saw that i was like oh man i gotta do that i wonder if i can find one and next thing i know i'm on ebay paying Yeah, eBay uh, is cool eBay is like my porn hub. I spend way too much time on eBay looking at stuff. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> TMI, Stevie. TMI. Oh yeah, eBay is my porn. Um, cool, <laughs> Mikey. Are we going to see another tour of the uh, of the closet? Yeah, we got Coco Closet Eddie over here. All right, let's Just see it. Flip to the right, Mikey. Not the wrong, Mikey. Ah, here we go. So this is a brand, this is everyone's favorite segment. Mikey shows oh, yeah. us his closet. There you go. There's Here's your C64 bin. Yeah. 
Like he's going back in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me get this. Let me get this guy out. You'll go far, Mikey. You'll go far. <laughs> oh, no, <I> <laughs> oh, where's all the yelling at Mikey about his Commodore 64? Yeah, yeah about that. And by the way, like a great choice in Commodore Ooh. systems down there at that Ooh. Commodore, Ooh. Mikey. Boots, man. <sighs> oh, uh, David, I wanted to show you the door on the. Um, uh, let me let me just take this down so it's a little easier to see. Um, the door on the Timex Sinclair 2068 has a door, and there's a cartridge slot in there, and this is what the door on it looks like. Oh yeah, right. yeah, that's the kind of thing that I had in mind. Something that lifts up where you can put the cartridge in and out. That's exactly what I had in mind. Yeah, on the on the 2068. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, also. Couple HP 100s, and we didn't look at the Apple, the Apple 2C. 2C, but this is yeah. the only Apple that I have. I guess yeah. this guy still works. Yeah, I got one and too. Yeah, Coco Closet and Retro Closet. Should I actually call it Retro Closet, but you know. Yeah. Eight bit closet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how many? How many bits do? How many bits do I have? Oh, that's There's more than eight. Yeah, actually. Now we're gonna have to. Now we're gonna have to do math. Yeah. Add up the bits. <laughs> yeah. Then I have all these uh, IBM keyboards too. If you divide the bits by the coefficient uh, of the day. Divide it by zero. Yeah. <laughs> ah, all right, all right, all right. Well, I think I think we had a good show today uh, because we ended strong. We ended on the Commodore. So that's always a good thing. <laughs> you, have a, you have a chat room of angry people, Steve. Just so you know. <laughs> I've been saying this for years. The Commodore is an incredible system. It's an amazing, oh. fantastic system. Fantastic people own Commodores. Amazing things going on with those Commodores. Um, we'll see who comes back next week. Now. <laughs> incredible. Hopefully, um, some of you guys will come back next. It's week. an no. even better doorstop than the MC10. Oh, that's, that's true. That's true. Riling up everybody. <laughs> so, make doorstops great again. Yeah, my my my. I have I have two challenges right now. One of them is time, and the other one now is I have too many things that are that are falling in my lap all at once. I I you know I'm starting. I was just trying to get my MC10 going. I got the composite mod on my MC10. I bought a new um, capture device that reads in like component and composite and all kinds of stuff, and it and it captures that and outputs that as HDMI. So I mean, I've been acquiring things to be able to work on projects. I want to do stuff with the uh, MC10 and the MC server and stuff like that. So a lot of a lot of coals in in the fire. And then I started working on my Tandy 1000 because I got this uh, CGA to VGA adapter. And then as soon as I started using that, then I'm like, oh, crap, now I need a new hard drive. So I had to go down that road. And, oh, I put a V20 CPU in my Tandy 1000, too. That's like kind of like putting a 6309 in a Cocoa, right? It's like a 186 yep. clone. So I bought one of those on eBay for 20 bucks, And it's a, it's a new old stock, and it's a ceramic one, too. So supposedly that's kind of rare. So I got a ceramic top v20 cpu i stuck in my tandy 1000 i put in that new hard drive 
Uh, I just got access to some software from a friend. So I'm going to be putting some software on that hard drive, playing with my Tandy 1000. I got MC10 stuff to do. I got all kinds of stuff to do. Now I've got freaking Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Nintendo 64, a freaking Sega, and a C64. So how am I going to have time to mess with all this crap? These are good problems to have, right? So, so you're quitting, your, you're quitting like... your job, obviously. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Don't go to sleep. This boss is an asshole anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe yeah. you didn't answer my question. What was your Stevie group? didn't say whether he was keeping up with the Commodore. No, well, no. What do you mean, Mike? You don't know. You don't know that. Uh, you should watch um, Parafractic, uh, his uh, series on the SX64. Are you keeping up with the Commodore? Because the Commodore, the Commodore keeping was up keeping up with you. Ah, oh, no, no, no <laughs> idea. That was I have to watch that one. I'll send that's, it on Discord. That's a good refurb. Uh, he does good refurbs on stuff, and he yes, does one on that. His videos good. are so corny, but he actually does pretty good work. Okay. So would you guys recommend on the Commodore that I do not use these power supplies and I get aftermarket power supplies? Is that the recommended thing to do or what? Do you, do you that's have what I hear. Meter? Yeah, that's what I hear. They, yeah, given that they're getting so old now, it's, it's what happens is the regulators, the, the, the reference pin goes open circuit on them and they output the full supply rail unregulated to, and it just pops all the chips in them. Yeah. The, Actually, Ken is recommending you do use it for that reason. Ah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I've seen uh, some situations where people will take apart the the case and then dig out, because it's all potted and everything in there, and you dig out the old power supply and then put a new switch mode in it um, and uh, and then close it back up so you have something retro-looking. It looks like the power supply but it's got a modern switch mode power supply in it that won't blow your computer up oh, okay if it takes a dump yeah. like, it's like do you feel lucky do you feel lucky well do you punk yeah. at the age they are now it's just a matter of time before they pop and take your there's a few that are available the fellow was at vcf last year uh and he has yeah. the new brick and then uh you know i think it's called mu brick and then occasionally he does uh gut out the old c64 supplies and you know re rebuild the innards but that's kind of something he does kind of occasionally he calls that i believe a re a rebrick a rebrick those aren't always available yeah there's uh there's youtube has a new david ladd has a new brick it's a nice a nice uh, metal case power supply okay well i'm honestly as much as i am looking forward to just experiencing what it's like to play with a commodore and i've got you know literally hundreds of floppies so it'd be kind of cool to go through the thing I'm most excited about is that monitor because I can use that monitor yeah. for so many things, you know. So yeah, for sure. that's like a that's win a right there. That yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look a TV tuner to it and watch TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so all right, so I, I'm gonna play the outro and then we'll be back for parting thoughts and then um, maybe some gaming tonight with Colorpede. Who knows? Remember the game of the week for this week coming up is uh, Colorpede. Great uh, clone of Centipede for the Coco 1, 2, and 3. So we'll be back after the outro. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, cause Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world.
Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Marentes, Rondell Vaux, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Steggy, Nick Morota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Diffendaffer for making my head explode. Please help support the Coco community by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. No, you have to go to a separate uh, folder for games patched for the Coco 3. If you if you okay. go archive games, then there's a folder of games patched for the Coco 3, and there's a whole bunch of... There you go. And we're back from cool, the break. Just play it. Yeah. Just play All it right. Like so thank you, everybody, for being here. Thank you, everybody in the live chat. Kevin Holloway is out there. Explore VR says, now that, the con- now that this is a Commodore show... Wait. I'm Commodore. looking forward. I'll keep you up with the Commodore. That's right. I'm looking forward to the I'll William Shatner. I'll send the video Shatner. so you guys can see. Yeah. Kevin Holloway has been here. Retro Innovations has been here. Ken <laughs> Reichard has been here. Mark Overholzer, Nick Morota, Canadian Retro Things, and Tom C. and John Lowry. And uh, who else has been in the live chat today? Erico has been here. Nimble has been here. And Nick Morota and Mikey and Mark Overholzer and Canadian Retro Things and Kevin Holloway and Tom C and Erico and Rob uh, Inman Frodo Inman Rob Inman Frodo is here. DeBruce Moore was here. Dragon Bites was here. Al Hartman from Jersey. Salvador Garcia. Ken Riker. David Lord. Oh my goodness, the the people that have been here, it's just been insane. It's been incredible. It's fantastic. I've said this today. said this a million times. We've got an incredible audience, a fantastic audience, amazing people who do incredible things. I've always said that about our audience. Incredible, fantastic audience. Um, and thank you guys for being here. Uh, Mark Bosley, parting thoughts. Anything you want to tell the folks at home? Nah. All right, Jason <laughs> Jason Reichert, as you're driving to points unknown, any parting thoughts for the folks? Um, drink your oval team. All right, John Lowry. Uh, adios. Adios, Mikey <laughs> Furman. Who we have a, we have everyone's favorite new segment to the show, Mikey's Closet. Mikey Michael Coco's Furman, clo- host of Closet yeah. Retro Closet. That's right, host. Uh, <laughs> any final thoughts, Mikey? 
Go Commodore. Go. <laughs> <laughs> David O'Connor, final thoughts. Oh, I'm going to go and eat some Vegemite in a minute. All right, crikey. Rick Eulen, parting thoughts for the folks at home? Well, we touched on data sheets before. Yeah. Never, ever design a product with a data sheet that looks like this. Okay. Huh? Preliminary. 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 <laughs> uh, it didn't work out so well. Mark Overholzer, final thoughts from you? I think... Jim Brain will finally give us a five-star rating. L. <laughs> <laughs> Curtis Boyle, sorry for having to bump the news, but we're already bumping up into four hours today. Not, no problem. Um, I just want to congratulate you on, on the wide variety of doorstops you managed to acquire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah those. Ones I tell you what, size windows now you can hold doors open. The uh, the Commodore cool. printer will hope hold up a freaking garage door. Those Commodore floppy drives could hope open up a door in the middle of a hurricane. Those things are freaking heavy. Holy you crap! Got to jack up that card. There That's you go. right. If I yeah, if I, if I need to change the tire, <laughs> I could put a Commodore floppy drive underneath the car there. So. Oh, man. All right, guys. We're going to press the button. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Remember, everybody. One quick thing, a reminder to go, if you guys want to contribute to the Children's Hospital Foundation, go check out the Amiga's uh, thon that's going on right now until 8 p.m. Eastern. There you go. And, th and a great job from doing that, guys, and all the money you're raising. Remember, Commodore is the most amazing system's ever been out there. The most incredible computer. Fantastic computer. It's incredible. Oh. Um, uh, better quit while you're ahead. All right, we're out of here. Peace out, everybody. Let's do a Coco show, you guys. Find in chat. <laughs> <laughs>